Get it. Hey guys, brand new podcast and uh, and uh, oh, that's why I think yours. I've been turning mine up and turning yours down. Um, brand new podcast, everybody. I'm here with my beautiful wife Leanne. Uh, she is spent. We had a long weekend. We've had a long run. We did Hawaii. We did uh, Palm Springs. Palm Springs. We did San Francisco. Thank you, everyone in San Francisco and Sacramento. Sacramento's Late Show was two hours long. And I apologize for those of you who were like, hey, man, I could have just had an hour. But I had fun, and it got away from me, and I had a blast. And my wife did the majority, if not all, of the driving this weekend. Well, you drove for like an hour. (laughs) Yeah, most men, you know, it's so, you know, most women want a new age man who is like, I'm different than other men. I I see you as my equal. I treat you as my equal. Equal? I I think you're better than me. Okay. Yeah, you're my, you're a better driver. Mm -hmm. You're better at like packing shirts. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do this, these reads without you. I don't do anything. I just sit here. I know, you do the read. But, okay. Um, (laughs) It's true. I just sit here and you do it. It's, I feel, you know, I feel like, I feel gluttonous sometimes because I've got the perfect life. I've got the perfect wife. I've got great kids. I love what I do. I feel inspired. I'm going to the store tonight. I'm hanging out with Ari and Tommy, Sam Tripoli, Joey Diaz, uh, Russell Peters. The Property Brothers are going to be there. I feel, I feel bad that my life is so good sometimes. Well, you shouldn't feel bad about that. To you. Like, I feel like you could do a bunch of heavy lifting. Are you accomplishing your dreams? Well, not today. Not today? No. But with your podcast that's coming out? I hope so. I hope I can get it together because, you know, life seems to get in front of it. Traveling so much for George's birthday and for your shows and, and you know, I've, I just can't seem to get anything on the books. It makes me very frustrated. It, uh, it should make you frustrated. It makes me feel very defeated. It shouldn't make you feel defeated. I think there's a not large number of people listening to this podcast that feel identical to that. And by the way, I feel defeated on a daily basis, too, by other things. Like what? Like what? I don't know. I'm not going to tell you my secrets, but like the fact that I can't, the fact that I'm still telling a hand job joke and I'm 44. The, the fact that I'm going to the, impro- the uh, comedy store tonight and, I'm, and I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm going to go up on the main room and just do material I know works, and I feel like that's a loser's mentality. I feel like that I'm going into the OR and I'm following David Spade and I'm nervous. Like, I feel defeated constantly. I feel like I shouldn't feel fucking nervous. I'm 44. I'm, fu- I'm an a- accomplished comic, but I've idolized David Spade since I was fucking 22. I thought he was, like, the funniest guy in the world. I'm 44. I still look at his, new- his uh, YouTube stories. So everyone feels like this. Everyone, and then the fact that it took me all day to shoot that one promo video for video for Kansas City. Okay, so that is your list of problems. What's getting in my way is laundry, and grocery shopping, and dentist appointments, and orthodontist appointments, and a vet appointment, and taking care of your merchandise, and feeding the dogs, and walking the dogs. Now that you and- say this, it doesn't sound like we're much of a team. It sounds like it sounds like I'm not much of a team member. 
<laughs> you're not here. So you can't be a team member for that stuff. I'm not blaming you for that. that. Georgia was talking about doing that list of, uh, by the way, the podcast is coming up soon, but uh, I figured we'd catch up real quick. We've been on the road a lot. We've had a lot of family time and we've been at each other's necks and literally Isla was like, I don't want to talk to any of you motherfuckers this morning. I know. Well, I felt the same way as Isla, but I didn't get that opportunity. So I don't I, understand that. I, dr- I thrive off of people's contact. I thrive off of like taking a moment and being quiet and still and being by myself. And I haven't gotten that in a while. So I think that's part of why I feel so tired is that I haven't gotten to recharge my batteries by being by myself. Kansas City Improv this weekend, June 15th through 17th. Come out. Show tickets are selling quickly. Following weekend, Orlando Improv, the twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth. That is the U.S. Open. I will be watching the U.S. Open. I wish we could have a chat room where we could all talk about the U.S. Open. After that, Colin Sick to Work Show in Omaha on the thirtieth is sold out. Cherokee Casino the following week, following day. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm at the League of Skanks Fest on the twenty fifth in New York, and then I'm in New York the. Uh, I'm in New York on the 25th, and then I think I'm doing my favorite show on the internet on the 26th. If you listen to this show, you know what show it is, and it's not you, Sean Evans, although you are still my favorite show on the internet, but these guys are black. Um, Columbus Funny Bone the following week, Pittsburgh Improv, Hilarities Cleveland, Houston, Brea, Stand Up Live, Denver added a uh, Monday show that Monday, um, and then I'm on tour in Australia. We've got Singapore on the 9th, Perth on the 11th, Sydney on the 13th, Melbourne on the 14th, Sydney on the 16th, Brisbane on the 18th. Listen, if you got something fun to do on Brisbane on the 19th and you're just hanging out and you want to party with me, let's do it. I'm hanging out all day the 19th and I'm flying home on the 20th. Um, I'm going to need your help, Australia. I've never been to Australia. If you are an Australian, I love that you guys are giving me love on Twitter. I will retweet those always whenever you tweet out that you got shows to my tickets to my show. Um, and just spread the word. Do me a favor. Grab that machine story. It's on YouTube. I think you can share it. And just show some people at work. Do whatever you can. I really, It really, really does mean a great deal um, when you guys spread the word. Word of mouth is what makes and breaks a career. This is a part where you're, you're like, why am I even here? Am I right? You're right. Yeah, this is the part. That's you're, okay. You're here? For support. No, to help me. Because sometimes I'm a bad reader out loud. Today's sponsor for the pod- podcast is Leanne? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your jobs to find the best candidates? We've using we've been using I posted a ZipRecruiter thing on here. Yes. I did. And, uh, and no joke, we... Went to my business manager. We had a meeting about what we could afford to pay. And so right now, that's all we're doing. I know a lot of you say you'll do it for free, but I can't have you do it for free. Um, no. That's not how this business works. I need to pay you so that I can count on you to do it. <laughs> and I need to pay you. And uh, and it's just ethical. It's ethical. I'd much rather pay you and feel uh, good about it. So I, I posted a zip recruiter for me. I, I, I set up a, I set up one, and I'll be looking at all the candidates through ZipRecruiter. Because with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then, their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. So there's going to be a lot of people in the running, guys. 
That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails, and I get those emails to BurtBurtBurt.com. I appreciate it. I love when you guys run up to me at the show and you're like, I'm your fucking man. That is the energy. Guy said that to me the other day. I am just like, oh, uh, guy, Zach said to me, I am you going to the Boston Comedy Club. I want this job. I want this. We're, we're working, everybody. We're using ZipRecruiter. Post your shit on ZipRecruiter. Did you lose your place? I lost, I lost my place. <laughs> anyway, that's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter gets a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling. I already read that part. No juggling emails to you or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. God damn it. I love easy-to-use dashboards. Libsyn's got an easy-to-use dashboard, and I love it. Good dashboard, man. I love that they called it a dashboard, just like a car. You know, you're driving. Some old guy's like, make it easy for me. And this young hipster was like, it's like your dashboard. You know, have all your stuff on your dashboard. Okay, I get it. Let's call it a dashboard. Find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners, my candidates can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. Free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BertCast. That's B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T. That's ZipRecruiter slash BertCast. One more time. Try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BertCast. So that's that. That's the business side of today. God damn it. That was 10 minutes. Uh, we shouldn't have talked so much. I'll edit some of that out. Maybe oh, I will. Wow. Today's guest is uh, is a guy I respect immensely. You know, in this business, different different people blow up in different ways. I, there's parts of everyone that I admire. Like last week was Atel and Segura. I admire Atel that he has such a keen eye for silly, such a keen eye for intelligent, such a keen eye. I love in Stanhope his wording. Sometimes Stanhope's wording blows me away i love in bill burr that he sometimes will take a serious subject and throw in a silly sports analogy to make you get it i admire all of that and all of them uh all my friends are funnier they wouldn't be my friends i heard this guy on ari shafir's um i guess it's called the cleavage podcast where they went around and basically uh cheese check chicks on new york girls that weren't wearing bras they were just looking at him and he's puerto rican and at one point he goes uh no, 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 no. Uh, I can catcall. Like, I, it's okay if I catcall. And he's with, like, two, like, three Jewish guys. And he's like, no, Louis, you can't catcall. It was one. I was in Stanhope's uh, rape trailer, and I was giggling so fucking hard at Louis J. Gomez that I called him immediately and said, dude, next time you're in town, I got to have you on my podcast. Please. And he was like, dude, I'll be there in a week. And so uh, we recorded that right after I got back from Stanhope's. What I respect in Lewis, besides him being absolutely hilarious, having like three amazing podcasts and just an all-around great dude, is this dude's got the business sense. He always says that. I was a business man first. He, he, 
He's a guy that like when we wanted Jay and Big Jay and I want to do a cruise. We really badly want to do a cruise. We're we're trying to put it together. Lewis is the guy that will fucking spearhead that. He wanted to do a comedy festival. He is doing Skanks Fest June twenty fifth. I think it's June twenty fourth, fifth, and sixth. I will be there. I'm throwing a party on Sunday night of Skanks Fest. It'll be mostly just comics. I don't know if they're gonna let the public in, but I'm sure if you know Lewis. It'll let you in. But that's what I love and really respect in Lewis is that when he says he wants to do something, he do, does something. When he, when he has an idea, he follows through with it. And, and guys like that succeed in leaps and bounds in this business. That and he's fucking massively funny. He's one of the funniest guys to hang out with. He's a dude. He's a bro. He's passionate. I can listen to him all the time, and that's why I had him on the podcast, and I know you'll love it. Uh, so I gave you all the background for who he is. Now I'll just tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, Luis J. Gomez. This is Memory Cast. Uh, grab that mic right there. Hello. Ladies and gentlemen, in the man cave, one of my favorite podcasts I've listened to all fucking year. I listened to it yesterday morning in Doug Stanhope's uh, rape trailer, and uh, and it it was the what was my favorite. Th- it was my favorite thing, just because all you guys were all together and you guys were all friends. And I really got jealous that I I talked to uh, um, uh, Christine. What was Jay's? Jay, Christine, Christine, I talked to Christine this morning. I was like, "Hey, when I do uh, Legion of Skank, the Skank Fest, mm-hmm. I'm staying a little longer just to hang out." Oh, great! And she was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely," because it yeah. was Skank Fest, by the way, coming, coming up June, June 23rd through 25th. You're going to be there the on the Sunday, right? Yeah, the 25th. Sunday. Yeah, um, it's it's stupid. It's we started a comedy festival. Uh, it's it was it's not a Legion of Skanks. Louis J. Gomez, festival. everybody. What up, motherfuckers? Yeah. What up, what up? The Puerto Rican rattlesnake. Puerto Rican rattlesnake, real ass dude, ultimate minority. The order's <laughs> formerly known as the Heberstern of MMA Radio. Joan Jett of Comedy. I got a lot of names. Bert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, Skank Fest, it's, um, it's, a, it's a festival that's just celebrating freedom of speech and comedy. Comedians that do it the right way, you know. Comedians way, that- I just had a tell in here two seconds ago, two minutes ago. Oh, really? Yeah, tell was here with Tom, so that's why Tom. Oh, you guys did a pod together? Yeah, because I tell oh, over and put Tom's this, like, put theirs out after mine, please. I don't need to fucking follow <laughs> Tom Segura and David Tell. It was he. David Tell was fucking. David Tell's his- the greatest living comedian. Uh, yeah. Period. And, that's and, it. And what he said was, he kept saying over and over again, and I, I'm. I'm done. I'm leaving it up to you guys. You have to fight the battle of PC-ness. Yeah. He, it's what's kind of is turning him off from comedy. Of course. Well, that's why we're doing this festival. This is why things like Legion of Skanks, Gas Digital, the things that I'm involved with always kind of, that's kind of the, the fiber that's built into them is, you know, we're, we're celebrating free speech. We're celebrating not just free speech, but just kind of the idea of freedom of expression. Um, it's almost lost comedy. I think because we, it seems like we're making light of dark topics, that that's why it's kind of... Um, you know, we don't really get the same type of freedom as a movie or a song or whatever yeah, else. It makes me crazy. It's like, I mean, obviously there's a very dated reference, but like, you know, Quentin Tarantino had, had N-bombs all throughout Pulp Fiction, and it, it's what made us like it in a weird way was to hear people talking like that because it seemed real. For There was a, I just, I, I have this joke about, uh, that I'm telling for uh, Ari's storytelling show. And I'm debating. There's a moment where uh, Ralph Sampson. You remember who Ralph Sampson was? Basketball player. I don't watch any sports uh, except for 
MMA. MMA. That's it. Yeah. Um, Ralph Sampson, uh, not to bury the joke so that you'll, it's, I think you'll lose the effectiveness of it. He <laughs> says to me at a very young age, we're in a camp, and he says, Does anyone here party? And I put my hand up. And he says, How do you party? And I it was 13. I just said, Hardy. And he started, and everyone laughed. <laughs> right. The joke is all the black dudes lost it. And then he said to me, what did you say? But he actually, I thought he didn't hear me. He was saying, what the, like, what did you say? Yeah. But I thought he really didn't hear me. So I said, I said, I party hardy. And I go, now it sounds like I'm just enunciating, but it sounds like I'm barking him down. Yeah. And I, I, I'm debating on the line because it works on the road, but you know, to put it on television is very different. I said, read my lips, Negro. I party hardy. <laughs> and it works in the clubs, but it, yeah. but when you put it online. Yeah. You have to, you, you have to be worried how people are going to perceive it. And I think that that ultimately is the problem because, you know, especially somebody like you or me, right, where you are a fucking funny from the hip motherfucker. You are like, you hang out with Bert, you're going to laugh, right? Bobby Kelly, you are going to laugh. Big J, you're going to laugh. It's not like uh, you don't have to to think about what you're going to say to laugh by hanging out with you. It's you're just going to fucking go out and have a good time. You're going to laugh, you know, and that's typically the way we think of most funny people. That's the type of of, um, people that become comedians. They're just kind of funny from the gut, right? There and are there are those comics though that are really painfully unfunny to be around. Yeah, and typically they stink. Nobody really wants it. And look, it's fine, and I'm sure that they have a place. But the guys that I like are the guys that are just fucking funny from the gut. And if somebody like you has to put a filter on and go, okay, what words am I going to use right here? How am I going to say this? What am I going to think about? You are taking away a measurable percentage of how funny you are as a human being. And that and that's what's happening in comedy. Is this? It's it's and it's one of the reasons I love that podcast you guys did because I'm in the trailer and I know all of you. Yeah, you're talking or Ari's podcast. Yeah, Ari's yeah. podcast. Um, I know all of you. I would say very well, and I was just like, God damn it! I wish I was with them right now because mm. I would be laughing. I would be laughing just as hard as I'm laughing right now in right. this trailer, listening to it and realizing I was doing, wanting to listen to something that would help me go to bed, and I'm not going to bed now. Yeah, and I. But it's it's like you're no one was politically correct. You're all close friends, so you guys are all making fun of uh, each other, and it was it was just great. Well, I watch guys like Ari and Big J. Um, you know, Kurt Metzger's another one. Um, I mean, the, you know, Atel. There's certain guys who just didn't. They haven't really given up the fight. You know, like somebody like Big J or Ari. They say crazy shit. You know, I was just on a podcast with Ari earlier, Punch Drunk Sports, and he's taking a shit on the podcast. And we're we're on a sports podcast, and I was like, "Dude, Ari, you should take your shit and smudge it under your eyes like a football player." And he started cracking up, and he just fucking did it, and he just did it. Ari's got a two TV shows. Ari's got a, like he's yeah. releasing a double special on Comedy Central. Most people in mainstream entertainment aren't rubbing shit under their eyes. They're just not doing it. Yeah. Now, whether you think that's gross or gratuitous or, or not funny or whatever it is, it doesn't fucking matter. It's ballsy. He does what he wants to do. Yeah. Ari Shafir just took off four months and just, you know, probably banged trannies. We don't know. Yeah. But he was out in Asia or wherever the fuck he was doing whatever he was doing. And he just said, fuck it. I'm throwing the rule book out the window. And a guy like that really inspires me. Big J, I mean, what we do on Legion of Skanks, we say crazy shit every single week. And people have left us the fuck alone. And I think that it's really... It's important for people to realize that I think there still is room for edgier, dirtier, ballsier comedy that's going to take a chance. You know, the truth is, it's not for everybody. I we I almost we almost package ourselves 
as we, we, we say it almost tongue in cheek, but we call it the most offensive podcast on earth. But part of the reason we branded it that is because you don't knock on our door without expecting to hear these big, dirty fucking words that you're not supposed to say. If you press play, that's your own fault. You know, you, we didn't happen upon you. We're not saying, you know, N word jokes in your fucking church. You came yeah. and press play on the most offensive podcast on earth beat it go fuck yourself and that's the way comedy in general used to be that's the way a comedy club was you would go in and you know there's certain clubs that have signs i love it when i see it where it'll say if you're offended by anything don't enter the room because this is a you know safe space is supposed you know for comedians that means we're supposed to be able to fucking say anything we want and things like roast battle things like legion of skanks skank fest i believe that they are proof that people still want to hear this type of shit. You look at, you know, anonymous YouTube comments and the type of fucking shit that they're saying. And, you know, there's, believe me, people, it's not all sunshine and happiness. People don't want to be, you know, everyone to be equal and everyone to be friends. People recognize the differences. And if you don't let the air out of the tires, I think that it's, I think it creates more problems. It creates more racism, hate, sexism. You know, I, 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 I compare it to the purge, like roast battle every Tuesday night. It's the purge. You get to get all that shit out of your system. Yeah. And then we get to live our lives uh, like normal human beings. But if you don't get to purge and say fucked up shit, you're going to keep it inside. And that's poisonous. Then real fucking hate happens. Yeah. that uh, Tell was saying that like off the podcast. He was just like, he was like, you know, it's so it's so frustrating because this is how real racism starts when people stop stop making jokes or letting it be okay. To, yep. And he goes, and he, and when you're only talking about race in a serious tone, that's the only time race is brought up when it's like, oh, what's racism? Like that's bad. That is not that is not helping anybody in the world. But if we can say, hey, everyone get in a room, black, white, Indian, fucking Puerto Rican, whatever it is, you're all in a room together, and we make a joke about the, some differences, and we all laugh. Yeah, we all come together, and that is a much more positive thing than everyone going like, oh no, we don't think those thoughts. Let's keep it all in. And then when they're with their own friends behind closed doors, then they say what they really think. Yeah, it's it's really interesting how. Uh, what I find f- very fascinating, I was talking to um, George, Georgia, my oldest, we, were, uh, we went over to get groceries and we're walking back and two people were talking about Amy Schumer at the Starbucks hmm. and uh, Amy killed our hamster a long time ago. On, she used to, What'd you I, do? I used to be, I, I, I don't, I guess I'm, I guess I'm still friends with Amy. I just haven't seen her in like seven years. Yeah. And I, and, uh, or she used to stay at our house and I guess our hamster needed shots and she gave it a shot at spine. I don't fucking know. I don't remember, but <laughs> the girls always joke about when they see her and they're like that, that's the chick that killed our hamster. And I was like, yeah. So Georgia said, why do people not like her? And I was like, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> From her perspective, so I mean, be like, look, she's an awful cunt. She killed our hamster. Yeah. <laughs> she's the worst human being I've ever met. But there's no way this many people know this about her. <laughs> know this about her killing her. Yeah, hamster. I mean, come on, what's going on here? Uh, she uh, and so, but I, I said to Georgia, goes, I thought she goes, you know, her and Isla joke around about that's the girl. Killed. She goes, I thought everyone loved her. She's like a movie star. I thought she was like famous. I go, yeah, and I started thinking about it, and I was like. She had the – I think the people that are coming out against her most right now are the comedy fans. Like the not, – not comedy fans, but the the guys who like dirty jokes. And I think they loved her when she made that joke about Steve-O. I think they were like, that's our fucking chick. Yeah. And then when she changed lanes and was like – She fucked up. She, yeah. When she that was like, her though. That I'm wasn't – that wasn't people. That, that, yes. And, and I think those guys felt betrayed. Yeah. I read something about – 
her today. It was David Letterman said she's our Richard Pryor, and uh, it's a little. I think even Amy will say that's a little bit of a stretch, but yeah. but she in that she was a breakthrough uh, talent. And then I I just read the comments, dude. It was. I mean, it was all guys that I feel like if I had typed in, they would have been like the machine, you know. Yeah. Like, and I felt like going. She everyone had her back when she was edgy. And then, and then all of a sudden, then what happened is she changed lanes so quickly that the liberals went after her and started calling her racist. Yeah. So like it was like no, she didn't have. You an can't. Honor. You as a comedian, you can't. You can't be a person that aligns yourself with one side. Yeah. If you if you're agenda driven like that and you hold on to that one side, let me tell you something. You know, you ha- every one of your core values has to align with that. So when she became a feminist, and it's almost unfair because she was kind of thrust into this position as yeah. being like a feminist leader, but she accepted it. She didn't like look. She's not Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley was like, yo, I, I slam dunk basketballs. I'm not a fucking uh, you know role model. Okay, yeah. sorry, that's that. She accepted it. You know what I'm saying? And she said, oh, that was a character. I was just playing and you know that was that and she you know in her own way apologized for the old joke she made and when you do that yeah if you're a fan of somebody and you're a fan of a fucking comedian these sensibilities these thoughts that we have if you're a comedy fan podcast fan it's not that you're like oh i like this song by this person you're kind of a fan of their personality and their viewpoint and kind of the way they look at the world right so when she does that and she says oh yeah, yeah, yeah i duped you all Almost yeah. rightfully so. It was a character. Yeah, you're like, you're like wait and in a my minute. head, I was like, that, the only, that offended me when she said it was a character. Because I was like, but, but 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 it didn't offend me. I knew that she, I knew that she was very young in comedy, and so she was doing this thing that I think a lot of girls did, a lot of girls and some guys. But she was actually was playing a role on stage. Bonnie McFarlane. Like, <laughs> like, but like, I'm trying to think of a dude who does it. But like, or like Mitch Fattel. Mitch Fattel. Yes, I get like, it. That's a character. a character. Yes, she does was doing a character, which I I and my my thing was I've never been a character. I'm Bert. 100%. Yes. Yeah. If I say something fucked up, I Bert thought of that. Like it's not, I'm. Yeah. I yeah. didn't Like it either. Like and you could go back and look at my earlier stuff and be like, dude, that was a little racist. But I go, no, you're not allowed to do that now. I get it. To think it's just a different time. But it was like go back in the time machine and you can approach me then won't easily. Yeah. 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 But but yeah, that was the. The thing that I was like, I was like, yeah, because there's no one listening to this, to this podcast that's going to write in, uh, hey, Bert, I'm offended. Yeah. Like, it, it just isn't going to happen. They'd just be like, I'm going to stop listening. I'll go listen to something a little less offensive. Of course. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Well, she, you know, she kind of put herself into that position. And, you know, yeah, I mean, look, if you're if you're a fan of ballsy comedy, you know, and then she goes and completely flips the script and turns into this, you know, very, like... You know, politically driven comedian, very much at the forefront of, you know, feminine politics. And you're just going like, all right, as a dude, because I was one of the guys. So I was like, oh, I'm a fan of Amy's. Like, you know, I thought she was great. I, you can go back and listen on a podcast. I'll be like, no, Amy's one of the best comics yeah. out there right now. Yeah. Before she started releasing, you know, the newer specials, I was very impressed with what Amy was doing. She had really fucking ballsy jokes, yeah. really dirty stuff, really like edgy that. stuff. Look, I think if you're fighting the good fight and you're out there doing it, you know, I have, I have a lot of respect for that, but she kind of jumped the shark. And then to be honest with you, like, look, I don't really, I don't know Amy super well, but I know her well enough. Like, you know, she's not like a super sweet chick. You know what I'm saying? Not to me anyway. Or like, yeah. you know, I know she helps out a lot of my friends and she's helped out a lot of people, but you know, did you see what she did with Mark Norman special? Yeah. I mean the 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 intro to it and the whole I mean goddamn dude I mean how weird was that the whole intro to his special is basically her 
telling him that uh, if, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's almost like I feel bad because Mark is a fucking brilliant comic. Mark's a great comic. One of my favorite comics in New York City. So he gets his big break to do his hour special on Comedy Central. And then she comes out and um, the intro to it is a sketch where she's like, you know, he goes to speak each time and she keeps on shutting him down. And she keeps on saying like, Mark, now I know a lot of people are going to say you didn't deserve the special and you only got it because I gave you the opportunity. And sure, your jokes aren't developed enough and you're not really ready. And she's trashing him. And yes, it's funny. It's a funny thing. Okay. Yeah. However, fans don't under fans don't even realize that they're subconsciously taking in a narrative. Okay. There's truth in all these jokes. You know what I'm saying? This is why people have the reaction to comedy is, oh, that's so true. Right. Yeah. So they walk away from the opening of this special, they walk into the special going, oh, this guy doesn't deserve to be here, even if it's just a subconscious thing. And I think it's kind of fucked up. I thought that was kind of fucked up to do. From a marketing standpoint, as a producer, she's producing his special. She should have stepped back and realized that that's not necessarily the best way to present this guy. I wonder what I would be curious to have the conversation with Comedy Central, because Mark is a fantastic comic. I had him on the podcast. I've had him on the podcast twice now. One I haven't released yet. But... He is funny as shit. He's a great joke writer, and he's Amy Schumer presents Mark Norman on Burt Kreischer Burkest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it, but I would wonder. I'd be curious to see if there was contractually if she had to put her name in front of it by Comedy Central. I'm sure. Like I'm sure. I'm sure. But to be honest with you, you know, this is your your fucking. This is a big moment. You know, it's it's a big debate on whether or not you would want to do that and have it presented that way. Yeah, I would, it's a, it's a big debate. If if. Uh, yeah, like if, yeah, I don't know, I don't know that it, I, I, it, I didn't, I didn't like that intro as personally. She also like, came up and introduced him, which was strange. Like she, either. it's this big pop, right? Oh my god, it's Amy yeah. Schumer! All right, I'm gonna bring up my, one of my all-time favorite comics, right? Then they bring him out. Just naturally, he's gonna get less of a reaction because they got so pumped to see her. You almost gotta like let him have his moment. If you're presenting somebody to the world as this guy deserves an hour special, he's, by the way, his specials fucking. It's hilarious. incredible. It's better than her it's, specials. It's, it is. It's I'm sorry. It really is. It's so funny. He's fucking great. He really is. And you're presenting him. You're just not presenting him in the best way possible. It's 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 a poor representation. Yeah. I. I yeah. It it, it kind of stinks. You know, I, th- yeah. I, I, but Mark's, I guess Mark's defense was that no one else was giving me a special and this is the way I had to get it. That's what he would have gotten it eventually. You know, yeah. like I look, I get, you know, I get it. You want to do it right now. It's easy for me to say, cause nobody's offered me a fucking special, but you I, know, I don't even know what's going to happen with specials in the future. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause now they're doing, uh, what Netflix is doing half hours. Yeah. And I mean, I, we're we're producing one right now for Dave Smith. Yeah, um, it's called Libertas. We're filming it on June first. We're independently producing it. We linked up with a great production company, and in my opinion, that's the future. I think that's the future. The same way that we took over fucking radio and we do this right now. We're sitting in a room talking shit into microphones because let's we're, let's stop convincing ourselves that you need a million dollar studio to do this. I this sounds just blown, as good as SiriusXM downtown right now. I'm blown away. I, sometimes I go into like. Not not when I go into big markets like DC, Tampa, Philly, where you go in and you and but I always walk by that one empty station when you go into big stations and you go. So what? What do you guys do that? Because you know, if this couldn't we not, like house five homeless people yeah, in this area? I like and then I go and then I like I talked to someone about a podcast and I was like, oh yeah, this is it. It's this recorder and that camera. It's real simple. Cost me under a thousand dollars. And well under a thousand. Yeah, and you probably don't need that nice of a camera, Bert. I don't. And so I go, and then I go, and then at one time I was in, uh, 
Oh, I shouldn't say this. I'll, I'll, I'll say it to you. I won't say our side of it. All right. But some guy was doing a uh, uh, Sherry's Berries read. And it was like right around thanks uh, uh, Valentine's Day. I said, hey, what do you make on your Sherry's Berries reads? And he was, told me. Yeah. <laughs> I went. It was, he was making 25 bucks. Oh. I went, dude, get the fuck out of there. Like, yeah. what are you, there's so many hands in that pie you, that you can, you know, you can do it and you can get all the money. Yeah. Like, and, and that's what, you know. And the truth is, I mean, I, I think... And Sherry's Berries just wants listeners. They don't give a fuck if they're giving you to a multi-million dollar corporation. They're giving the same amount of money to everybody. Doesn't matter. They don't... Yeah, they're like, yeah, we want people to hear it. Yeah. But the way your, your system's set up, you get fucked. And the guy told the guy what I made. And he was like, shut the fuck up. I yeah. mean, just so you know. You know that girl that walked me in? And then this girl that's out there and that guy that just said, hey guys, I'm taking off for lunch early. They're all getting a Sherry, Sherry's Berries money. Like it, it's just you. You're the one with the talent. Yeah. Like, cut out the, all the fucking middlemen. And I, I'm talking about that. I'm doing another special in January, in February or March, February, I think. And I, I've been saying to everyone, I kind of just want to release it on Facebook. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't really know if I need. I just want people to see it. That's yeah. all. And where? How am I taking in information? I'm, I'm watching a lot of YouTube. I watch a lot of Facebook. Like I'll scroll through Facebook. If I'll just clip it up, put all the different clips up, then throw the whole thing up somewhere. Yeah. And just give it to everyone for free. I, I mean, granted, if Showtime or, or 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 Netflix or Comedy Central wants to talk about doing the special, yeah, let's have that conversation. But the other part of me is saying like, I my biggest my biggest click or flip was. Well, my last special was Facebook. Yeah. That video going viral changed my touring. Yeah. And so I, I just want as many people to see my... Sh- it's the same thing with the fucking podcast. Like when... Not to, I'm definitely not shitting on Artie or, or Anthony, but when they did their podcast and they started change, charging money for it, mm. I was like, no, 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 because I want to listen to it. It's a poor move. And I, I, I want to listen to it. I approached Anthony because we were on Anthony's network, Legion of Skanks. I, by the okay. way, I've, I've, I've been... Paying for Anthony every year. Yeah. I fucking... I love Anthony. Yeah. Anthony I, I, is... I, I'm a member. Yeah. I don't... It's a little more complicated for me to get to because you got to log into his thing with your username and password. Yeah, yeah, It would be a lot easier if I could just see it right under Rogan. Of course. Right under... I mean... But that's Anthony's business model. Anthony... And look, uh, we were at Anthony's network for a while, uh, Legion of Skanks. And, you know, in my opinion, it was, it was really important. If you understand anything about podcasting, people consume these things for free. That's a, they, it's, they share it. That's it's just the, the business model. That isn't really something that you necessarily go out and charge for. So when we they wanted to bring us on board, we were adamant. We said, "All right, we'll do it, but we're going to do one episode behind your paywall, and then we're going to still do one episode every week for free." So we didn't change anything for our fan base. We technically just added content. We were adding an episode. If that you, you want would pay the extra for. content? Go pay for it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of the way that you still do something like that. Right? We do guest digital, the network that I run. I saw a lot of people. You know, taking little pieces in the podcast industry and figuring out ways to monetize, expand the, the the show, get new listeners. And I saw a lot of people doing a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong. Right, Anthony Cumia, that that network and that experience. I just watched a lot of things being done wrong there as well. And I, you know, we had the idea before I joined with Anthony Cumia's network to start a network. Me and Ralph Sutton, my business partner, and it just didn't materialize. I ended up signing with Anthony, so we kind of put it off. And um, we got together, and our model's pretty unique. Our podcasts are free. The, you know, the, the audio is always free on iTunes, Google Play, et cetera. 
um, for all of the shows. We have 10 shows in the network. Um, but what people pay for on the guest digital side and the guest digital network, they pay for the video version of the show. They get to watch it live as it happens because we have a live stream for most of the shows. We have a chat bar. So if you're watching it live, you could join the chat Me- um, message board. You get the, day- the episodes five days before they go out to iTunes. You get a little pre-release and they're ad free. So we record the ads and we drop them in, you know, through editing purposes. Um, so if you're listening on iTunes, you're getting all the ads, but if you're paying for the service, you're not getting all the ads. Yeah. So it's all of these extra little benefits. Mark Marin kind of did it with the archives back in the day um but we're still not taking away the core concept which is it's a free podcast that comes out every single week that people can share well you know? i think the thing that i learned from anthony is, is i was like okay and maybe i should apply this but I, hardcore fans will definitely give you the five bucks a month or whatever you charge just out of like loyalty going you're out my of, guy out of love yeah yeah because i did it for anthony when he started his podcast i was like i was like I'm gonna listen, I want to listen to the first couple ones because it was all about what was going on with him. And I think it was like 50 bucks for the year. And I was like, done. And I and it just charges my credit card every year. It's 50 bucks. I'm not gonna. It's not gonna make a dent in my in my in my year. Right. And and I want to support him. But Anthony would if he and I said this. I dude, I talk to Keith and Anthony and those guys all the time. We share ideas. Like yeah. you know, we have these little like you know emails once in a while back and forth because we're doing a similar business model. You know, it's it's different, but it is similar. Um, I think if Anthony put out his fucking Monday show for free every single week, hey, it's Monday. It's you know the Anthony Cumi show Monday on iTunes. He would get 250, 300,000 downloads an episode. He's a fuck. Anthony's got a huge following. Oh, okay, yeah. and you know the way the advertising dollars work. Two ads. Just that one episode a week. Yeah. Craziness. Crazy money. Yeah. I don't understand why. I've, I've said it to Keith and Anthony, and they're like, oh, that's a great idea. And they ignore me every time I say it. They must. I'm, I would, I'm like, they, people would still pay for the other four days a week. You're not losing anybody. Nobody's going to go, oh, one episode a week is free. That's crazy. I'm not doing it now. Yeah. I don't get it. It's bananas to me. Yeah. I Like, I, I didn't understand. But I, I didn't do ads for a long time. Yeah. So I was like, I was like. I'm a die. I'm, I always said I'm a diehard podcast fan, and I, I always skip through them. Fuck them. But then, and then I, and then I found myself getting Blue Apron because I heard it on Rogan. A lot of them are great products. Here's the funny part, right? And this is something what you're saying right now. Like, yeah. as a fan, you go like, you're like, oh shit! Like, I would use it. Like the framing uh, company. I almost I didn't use it because I was going to, but I have a bunch of pictures that I need framed. And Bill Burr had a framing company yeah. on his thing that it was like, you know, whatever it was, it was like whatever frame was like twenty bucks, no matter what. I don't know what the deal was, yeah. but it was great i was like i'm gonna call them and just send my shit and get it framed and send it back oh. to my house because we gotta go to some specialists yeah. or some place it's crazy you, or you start going like fuck i need a mattress wait rogan just talked about a mattress the yeah. other day i'm gonna get a casper mattress i, I own a casper mattress, <laughs> mattress. <laughs> so do I. I just set that shit up yeah. it's great but yeah it's it, but it's like that is the part that does work is you like like me undies hit me up and they sent me out their underwear Excellent. And I was like, and I was like, dude, Rogan's not fucking around. This really is the greatest underwear. It yeah. really is comfortable. Those shit. are the ones with like the smell pocket technology shit, where like it won't smell. Ugh, I I have a bunch of. I don't wear underwear, but I will wear underwear to bed because I have two daughters, and those are comfortable as shit. I don't understand that logic, but okay. Isn't that crazy? I don't wear underwear in real life. But why? Because you have two daughters, we wear them in bed. Because I because if because one time there was an earthquake, and I ran into their room naked and scared the living <laughs> fuck out of them. And so now my wife That'll demands that I have underwear on when I, I go to bed it. in case there's an earthquake or got a break it. in. <laughs> my dick would scare a robber and probably benefited us. Yeah. Would, fucking... would he scare a robber or would it make him respect you less? He'd be like, 
Oh, wow. Like, I'm taking everything. Look at Johnny Popsicle stick over here. <laughs> um, he fucking run out naked to a robber. Big J had a joke about that uh, in his special. Great fucking bit about how uh, his stepdad had a big dick. And he was like, his dad didn't. His real dad didn't. Oh. And uh, he, he knows this because there was somebody like banging on his door when he was like seven or eight years old. And he was freaking out. And he ran into his dad's uh, room. And his dad got up. And was like, what happened? What happened? His dad was naked. And he looked at him. He was like, dad. He's like, oh. Oh, oh come on. He was like, somebody out there but you're not gonna do anything i should call my stepdad <laughs> fucking great oh but that's i i'm I, I always think that like what would you do like let's say you're in a locker room at the gym and some shit went down or in the steam room like oh. you're naked and some dude wants to fucking fight you and goes to swing at you would you fight him naked or oh, would you yeah. have to run the answer is yes you would just do it no because yeah because uh because i've got we i went to an all boys catholic high school and i saw fist fights in the shower Naked. Oh yeah, dude. I watched a dude break a dude's nose in the shower. Chief. Hot. Yeah, and then we, we were very politically incorrect. We had one Indian guy's name was Chief. We had a Puerto Rican guy's name was the Rican. We had a Jewish guy. His name was Shylock. Like that, and that was just back when that was acceptable. It's but, great. It's a it's a better time. We were constantly letting the air to the tires every minute of every day. Yeah, it was a peaceful time. We had no problems when I was in. Maybe I told this last time I was on this show, but when I was in. Uh, Middle school, they used to, we used to have whites versus um, minority like basketball games. The, the coach would let us split it up by race. Oh, shut and up. And it was hilarious. It was so funny. The coach got it, and we all laughed. And it wasn't like a – there was no hate. Like, we yeah. were all friends. Everyone would just, like, laugh about it. And then afterwards, we'd go to class, and we would just do our thing. But it wasn't something that was suppressed or hidden. It was something that was just kind of like you'd, you'd make a gag. It was funny. Yeah. You it know? Was, it was – there was a – I remember – I mean, I remember, like – Especially in Florida, I remember like legit racism. Like, I remember real. I remember I said this. I I don't know where I said this, but I haven't said it on a podcast. When I was in first grade, I was six years old. The two brothers that lived down the street, we there was a black neighborhood, and the black neighborhood kids came over and they had a football. They wanted to challenge me to a football a football game, but they had my football. I left it in the front yard. We couldn't find it. They had stolen my football. Hmm. So the two brothers. Square up against two brothers, two black dudes who are brothers, one of the, which is smaller, has my football, and they start fighting. And their dad. So came, the brothers, there two, are two brothers. sets of brothers are fighting, two sets of, two sets of brothers are fighting. Yeah, two sets of brothers are fighting. But a pair of those brothers were brothers. A pair of those brothers were brothers. Got yes. it. And so their dad came out to make sure it was a fair fight. The black dad. White dad. Yeah, black dad's not around. <laughs> we had no idea where that black dad went. It's so. It's so. That's why they stole my football. Yeah, yeah. If Black Dad was there, you would have gotten your football back. And so he starts chanting, fight, fight, N-word and a white. White don't win. We all, we all jump, jump in, in, of course. Fight, fight. And then grabbing me going, say it, say it. I'm six years old. I'm like, wow, man, this is, a, this is the South. This is going to be a fun ride. Did you start chanting it? Uh, I'm sure I did. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I was six. All I know is that I did say the N-word one time when I was six. And we were watching. I had been around that dad and he had was watching the bucks and he had said look at that n-word run hmm. and i was watching the bucks another weekend with my dad and my uncles and i said that and my dad goes what the fuck wow and he was like where did you hear that and i was like oh i've heard it down the thing he marched me down yeah as he should have that's he fucked like, up he's like you don't fucking talk like that in front of my son yeah don't use that fucking word good and i don't want him around you know like, good yeah because you know it's funny like i uh we joke and look we we you know i have no First of all, I'm Puerto Rican. I've been called a nigger by a lot. Okay, uh, I am. The, I I feel like if you've been called that word, yeah. 
in the way that it's used contextually against black people. Like I grew up in a white trash neighborhood. Kids would throw rocks at me while they chased me, calling me a nigger. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not shying away from being able to fucking use a word. Shut up, right? Yeah. But no, I don't use it in front of my son. I would never, you know, and I don't use it in a hateful way. I'll I'll be funny with it. I'll say it very matter of factly because it's yeah. just a word. It yeah. is a true. It's a word. Um, but no, I would never say it in front of my son. Um, because you know when it comes down to it, like all of that shit, it's you know. There's nobody born with hate in their hearts. Kids are born fucking pure, dude. Yeah. You know, kids are born as nice kids. They may be afraid or there may be differences. You know, they may want to almost like stick to their own kind because they're used to that. But there's no fucking hate. And I, and I have a four-year-old and I watched him. I'm literally watching us mold his personality. I'm watching him mimic everything we do. Yeah. I watch him walk the way that I walk. I watch him, you know, the way that his mom sits. I watch him sit that way. So it's a responsibility that we all have you know and I, it, it doesn't become super clear until you have kids because i was an asshole i would you know i would scream stupid shit in the street and i didn't care if there was kids around me but yeah dude the you, we are creating assholes right and I'm, I'm very passionate about like peaceful parenting i don't i don't spank my, my son's never even been spanked on the hand you know what yeah. i'm saying like i'm very like uh very you know um very passionate about that and it's because in my opinion we have a responsibility to everybody in the world to create a good person you know he may be going to come become an asshole on his own one day but I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to set him up with stupid shit. And I wouldn't even make a joke around him like that because my son doesn't my son doesn't understand what a racist joke is. He doesn't understand the difference between these words or anything. They don't get context. They don't understand sarcasm. Everything comes out very li- literal. Yes, exactly. And, you know, that's 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 a that's a fucking garbagey move by that guy to to do that in front of you. It was it was, Flo- it was Florida in the 70s. Yeah. So it was I mean it was definitely I mean, I mean, I heard that word all growing up. It just was a word that was like common. It's so funny though. I watched. Uh, I watched. Do you ever watch? Uh, do you know who the Bodega Boys are? Jesus and Nero. I, they keep on popping up on shit. People love them. I guess they're because really funny. everything that I've ever seen about these guys has been positive. Yeah, like really positive. And I don't really know much. I just it'll be little things like a Facebook video will pop up, and it's, just, it's like a video podcast. I'm assuming, right? Two guys. It's- um, they have a show called Jesus and Miro on Viceland. Okay, and it's it's really good. It's really good. They're uh, the, I enjoy it. I, I end up getting into binge watching it because yeah. they just do. They're just making each other laugh. It's a podcast. It really is a podcast. It just happens to be a good one. And uh, but Miro is Dominican. And he had Fat Joe on, and Fat Joe's Puerto Rican, and they were using the N word the whole time. And mm. and then I think even they said, how, "How how do you feel if you can? Why do you feel you can use it or whatever?" And they're like, "Oh, if you've been called it, you know." I think that was one. Of, I don't think that was exactly what it was, but it mimicked what you said. Yeah, is that yeah? I, people call me that, so I'm going to be able to use it. If yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, all, I mean, we're just. I'm also not a fucking child. I mean, you know, yeah. If I was calling a black guy the N word in the street. You know, that's I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. But you know, the fact is, like, you know, I'm one of my one of my favorite uh, moments from O and A, and I wasn't even a big O and A guy um, growing up. I was a Howard Stern guy. Like, I, my, my you are whatever your fucking parents are listening to in the car. So, yeah. I, my mom listened to Howard you grew Stern. Up in the suburbs, right? I grew up in the burbs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right outside of New York City, Rockland County, represent. Uh, but um, yeah, I fucking uh, oh shit, what was I just saying? Uh, you, Howard Stern, O and A, one of your favorite. Ones. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Louis on O and A um, uh, with Patrice. Do you remember that moment? The moment I'm talking about. You do. You have to. You you, t- you tell it. I don't want to fuck it up. You'll probably tell it better. Uh, 
You gotta get the words right. I don't yeah, want to fuck it up. Get the words right. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's a, the the funniest fucking one of the funniest I things. I can tell ever. you where I was uh, in my car when I heard it. Where were you? I was driving down uh, Cochrane, uh, right by Sixth Sixth uh, Street, and I was getting ready to go to play tennis. I played tennis every morning, and yeah. they were in the <laughs> hilarious. They were in the thing, and Louis and Patrice says, "I'll say Patrice. I'll I'll say Patrice as you say Louis." Okay, fine. Yeah. yeah. So Patrice says, uh, "Hey, Louis." You're a Jew, right? And Louis goes, uh, yeah. And he goes, yeah. You know why they call you guys kikes? And Louis goes, I, no, I don't know. And he goes, because uh, the, the word for the Jewish word for circles, keikel. So when you guys came over on the boat and all you Jews lined up, they were like uh, putting circles on you. And you go, oh, kike. And so they'd see one of you Jews and go with another circle. And they go, look at this kike right here. That's why we call you kikes. Yeah. And then Louis says. And Louis says, oh, yeah. Do you know why uh, they started calling black people nigger? And he's like, why? He's like, well, there was this black guy and he was acting like a nigger. <laughs> and Patrice, <laughs> fuck. I've never heard Patrice laugh that Dude, hard. So and I pulled over and I was. I pulled over, and I've heard, done radio and heard people say, I'm laughing so hard I had yeah. to pull over. I had to pull over, and I had to laugh. And I just was like, oh, my God, that is the greatest thing I've yeah. ever heard. One of the funniest. so quick. Great. And fu- and good. And, yeah, you're goddamn right. And if Patrice wasn't there, he couldn't have gotten away with it. If Patrice wasn't laughing, he yeah. couldn't have gotten away with it. If Patrice would have gotten mad. It would have gotten totally different. That would have been a, It would have been a problem. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's so funny, like – when you step back and you look at a moment like that and you realize like this just amazing moment and the freedom to, you know, to, to truly go for it, to have some fucking balls, like you want to have moments like that's a fucking memory of mine, like a ballsy joke, you know, um, taking big, a tells, a tells joke uh, about, he's like, uh, oh, you're not supposed to call him midgets. I'm not going to call him floor niggers. <laughs> I mean, come on. A tell can't say that joke anymore. No. Like it's these, these, you know, look, it's stupid. It's silly, but you don't want to change this. I, you know, I hate to fucking sound like a you know pretentious asshole with comedy, but if you look at it as a piece of art, right? You know, it's almost like going up to a painter and saying, "Hey, dude, green and yellow are off the table. Everything else is cool, but green and yellow are off the table." You're like, "Dude, but I, I want to fucking paint a tree, and I really need this shade of green right now." It's like, "Ah, figure it out without that shade of green." And you're yeah. like, "Well, that's not really how I want the tree to look, so I'll, I'll make it work." Right, and you might be really good, and you might be able to make it work, but it's still not what you wanted to fucking create, you know. Yeah. And I feel like that that overall is an issue. And what's cool right now is that you look at Louis, you look at Bill Burr, you look at um, Chappelle. Chappelle's new special. Chappelle you know, got a lot of a lot, a lot of heat, of, lot but of heat. fuck it, good. He's above it. I right, was blown away by the comics, like a lot of L.A. comics, Ugh. just taking swings at him, saying like. He's uh, out of touch and he's dated. Well, because all they're doing is they're holding on to a fucking agenda and they go, look at me, everyone. They're just trying to get likes. All they're trying to do is go like, I'm against racism. I don't like racism. Yeah, no shit. Nobody likes racism, dummy. Dumb fuck. Nobody's real. Nobody in this business is really racist. Okay. (laughs) If you are racist. Okay. You will not work with a black person. Anyone yeah. in the comedy business, even the most racist people that I know, quote unquote, okay, the guys who say bigoted shit behind closed doors where you're on the road, the windows are rolled up, and you know, you, you know, you know the fucking guys we're talking about, right? Yeah. Even those guys, there's a producer that's black from some network, and he wants to give them a deal and work with them for the next ten years. They'll be over each other's house every fucking Christmas. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's it. That's not racism. That may be bigoted. That may have different views in the world, but that's not true racism. Right. It's not true racism. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it just, you know, it's crazy though. And now that people are saying, like, I had a friend who had 
uh, it's I can't really go into detail with it because I just heard about it last night. It's still going on, but his uh, hate a hate crime happened to him and his family, uh, and so and he's Jewish, and he was like, "What was the crime? Can you talk about that?" Uh, someone saying it was just basically someone saying words. Uh, no saying like we need to put you in the oven or something like that. Like it was just really fucking no no violence or anything, but it was just words. It was just really inappropriate. Was it hate crime or just like hateful shit? Hateful shit. And he was really upset by it and he goes, You know what really sucks is like now with Trump being president, it's okay to say stuff like that. And I was like, I don't know if it's I still don't see it as okay. Like it makes me dislike the person that did it. Yeah. And go, now I've got a I've got a, an exact view of what that person's like. Like so but but I guess there are parts, there are people who are, are like, now that Trump's here, I can be the bad person I wanted to the be. The bad shit was always there. It was there before when Obama was there. And they were going like, oh, look at all the hate that's in the world because we have a black president. The hate's there, motherfuckers. Yeah. Stop looking for like some... Some hot button topic every week for the to be the reason of of for there to be racism or sexism or rape or murder or whatever well, it is because we have so many news outlets. Everyone needs to have a, a take right. on the story. Everyone has to have an opinion, a story. You're supposed to go on social media every day. You're supposed to be giving your take. You're supposed to be, you know, we are in content overload, and we constantly need to feel as if we're being heard and we constantly need the gratification to know that our ideas are, are, are justified. So what happens is you just have a lot of people that nobody reads, nobody's doing research and everybody wants to scream and have an opinion. It's so, it's so funny. Like politics, I don't pay attention to politics at all. Like literally at all. I listen to Dave Smith's podcast probably, you know, two or three times a month and it keeps me somewhat informed, yeah. you know, but the reality is all of these people that are online having full fledged arguments saying, I'm going to defriend anybody who voted for Trump. Like, dude, you don't even know what the fuck's going on. Okay. Yeah. You, you, the people that, the, the people that you're reading their blogs don't even know what's going on. Like, just separate yourself a little bit. I'm not saying don't give a fuck, but I think you should really care about tangibly what's in front of you. Family, friends, your career, the things you can tangibly control. Oh. I feel like there, you know, uh, it's a philosophy that I have in life where, you know, you, you, know, you have to play your cards. You're, you're given a certain hand in life. You play that hand, right, um, the best you can. And if you have fucking the shittiest hand in the deck... You still don't let everyone know. You still don't go like, oh, well, I guess I've, you know, you play, you try to win. It doesn't matter. The, the, the you know, that it's, the, it's like an old, you know, poker analogy, but it's like, you know, it's not, it, yes, the, the cards are random, but you're still playing the cards, yeah. you know? It's, well, here, okay, here's, here's what I wonder. Cause I remember when, I remember doing comedy when you could take really big swings on stage because no, you didn't, you did not have the risk of anyone finding out about them. Meaning, like, like no one would videotape them, no one would blog about them, and I miss those days a tad bit because now I I don't say things that I did say back then. Like, I remember one time I was in Chicago and this uh, black dude, his name was Romeo Gold. I have pictures of him on my Facebook if you want to f- see him. He was dressed in a gold and purple lame outfit, like like sparkly, shiny. It was like a dashiki uh, jacket type looking thing right. with pants and then gold. Uh, like velvet, gold, and purple shoes. It was a real, it was a pimp outfit, like a hardcore. And he st- stood up. It's a white guy. Yeah, it's a white guy, black. Is oh, Romeo Gold. Interesting. So he stood. I said, "What?" Well, I said, "What's your name?" I go, "What a great outfit." What's your name? And he said, "Romeo Gold." I said, "Your name's Romeo Gold." And he goes, "Romeo Gold." I said, wow, that's big responsibility comes with that name. I go, when you were a kid, did your dad have to sit you down and say, and then I was like, what am I talking about? You don't know your dad. You're black. <laughs> and by the way, I just heard the statistic that seven 
out of 10 black families don't have a father present. Yeah. I just heard that statistic. The whole crowd groaned. We're in Schaumburg, Chicago. I go, hold on one second. I go, they just groaned and turned on me. Oh. And I go, hold on. I am simply telling a joke based off a statistic. And I and everyone groans again. I go, that that is a statistic. Seven. Nah. Now you're ten. just digging yourself into a deeper hole. So then I go, I go, hold on. Let's find out if my joke was accurate. I go, Romeo, did you know your father? And he stands there and looks at me and smiles. He goes, I never met the man. And that same place that groaned went fucking bananas. Great. And started laughing so hard. Oh, you said bananas because they were black. You really are racist, Bert. But it was it was so funny to watch them flip and flop. Now, now and now. In today's, you'd get someone to re- videotape that and then not put out the fact where the audience turned back on. Of course. Well, yeah, they could edit it in whatever way they want. And that's why it's, you know, look, I, there's certain guys like Chappelle. He never fucking apologized for the, the shit that people were giving him, right? Yeah. Uh, Bill Burr, he got a little bit of shit for fat shaming chicks. He didn't give a shit. Jerry Seinfeld's a great example where he was given shit for, uh, he, he tweeted out the Black's Life Matters joke when he was having Lewis Black on Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. And people were going, what, like, did he, what, did he, what did he do? He tweeted out Lewis Black on Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee today black's life matters um a hashtag yeah so you know people are, oh you're insensitive you're using a fucking you know the black lives matter movement to and seinfeld was just above it he didn't say anything he was just above it he didn't delete it he just he just all right let me move on and it disappears because just like internet trolls just like it's anybody just like your crazy ex-girlfriend just like your fucking asshole best friend they just want the response back. They want to get something because it has to be a volley. If they keep on fucking you know, hitting the ball to you and you don't hit it back, they got to hit the ball to somebody else. They're not getting the gratification it by getting the volley. So you, no, forget apologizing. Forget even saying, I'm not going to apologize. You don't even do that. Ari Shafir with that chick, Damian Marlena, when he you know, he, he named her name and then a special and yeah. got in a bunch of shit for it. Right? She had one arm. Because she had one arm. And, yeah. you know, look, whether you agree or not, like, yeah, he probably shouldn't have said her fucking full name. Yeah. But... His philosophy on that was, I'm not even going to mention it. He was like, if she came up to me, I would apologize to her personally. As a human, I would say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. That wasn't the point of what I was doing. And in retrospect, I wouldn't have done it that way again. But for him to come out on any public platform and even just to go, I'm not apologizing, you know, that, or even to say that much, you're sending the ball back. And then what they do, they send the ball back even harder. Fuck yeah. And then you want to send the ball back harder. Once and they then know be- you're listening. Yeah. That's like... That's like, uh, like I don't reply. I don't read anything on Instagram or on any of the comments on Instagram or on YouTube. I'll I'll interact with Twitter is where I'll interact with fans if they yeah. want to talk to me. But I don't read any of them because sometimes you read them and you're like you're like oh, wait you don't even follow me you're just looking to fight with somebody mm. like you don't even follow me yeah how did you fucking find this picture I, I read them I'll tell you why I read them because I uh, I've gotten I've gotten so much trolling. You know, like so much like what people like, you know, just people that fuck people like people hate me at first. Like when people meet me and they hear me and they're like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? I hate this guy. And then I slowly whittle people down and then they fucking love me. Yeah. It's like it's a slow burn for me. But then but people but they, no, that's the same way. I, that's the same way. I fuck chicks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As every slow girl burn. I've ever dated, I'm a slow burn. Yeah, yeah. But the, it, it works out almost every time. I mean, it's funny. Almost every one of my fans, I have like hardcore fans that like love me. Yeah. And they're, they're, like, they're like, dude, I hated you when I first heard you. And it was like after like three or four times, there was just something about whatever it was. Uh, you know, they, they just really like connected with it. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't even know why I got into that. No, just sort of bragging about my trolling. fans. You were talking about trolling. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I've, gotten, I've just gotten a, a shit ton of it. So what I've done is, I, I mean, I go on Reddit. 
I'll, I'll, I'll talk to people. I've read a profile. People know my name. Um, I've gotten it so much. I've almost desensitized myself to it, which is good because oh, it would hurt my feelings. Good. It would at first, like the first time you get a, a, a troll, like all young comics, you're gonna you're gonna go onto some fucking podcast that has a lot of followers. You're gonna say something dumb, right? Yeah. And then their followers are gonna come and attack you. And it doesn't even matter. It could just be two or three people. Those two or three comments will just fuck your day up. It'll it'll kill you. But I started just reading it. And almost like it became. After a while, I've truly become desensitized to it. So I like laugh at it now. Like I've, I retweet trolls, and I, you know, yeah. uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll interact oh, with them here and there. It bothers me so bad. Wow. Well, I wish I could. But you're a nice person. I'm a. I'm not a nice guy. Yeah. So you're legitimately like you know, I'm kind of an asshole. So like I don't know. Maybe I, I just feed off that energy or something. It's so interesting. Bill Bill Burn had did. Uh, I think he did Conan and said something on Conan, and people were like all on on. Uh, Google News. I saw it's where I saw uh, Bill Burr says something insensitive on Google News about what something or on uh, on Conan about something. And I saw him that night, and I said, uh, I said, hey, how you putting up with that? Uh, I saw that thing about what you call it. And he goes, yeah. Who are the people? I said, I said what? He's like, who are the people that are upset? Who are they? Do you know their names? I said no. And he goes, who are they? He goes, I. No one. I I walked around all day today, and no one said anything. No one in my life yeah. is upset. And I, he was like, "Who are the people?" He's like, "I'm, I'm still I'm still moving tickets. Yeah. Still, my shows are doing good. I think more people know my name. More people are getting on my side. Yeah. Who are the fucking people?" It's true. And I was like, "Yeah, who the fuck are these people?" Like, you know, it's it's the same thing where with Amy, you see the like she's still doing movies. Yeah. I mean, people. I mean, I guess you get to that point. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, her, she's a tough person to try to figure out because she gets a lot of hate. She probably gets more hate than any celebrity. And her, her Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Yeah. And then Beyonce's on the other side of it. Beyonce gets nothing but love. Yeah, people are like I'm sure she gets hates too. I, am I the only one who doesn't find Beyonce that hot? I find her to be like a, a solid seven, but I'm not into right. Yeah, I call Beyonce. A pretty a seven. Yeah. Like, you see her at the movies, you're like, that's a hot black chick right there. I'm well, in. I'm not, I'm not totally into her legs. I don't find her legs very attractive. She's kind of fuckish, a little, you know, a little bit, a little bigger than I like my woman. Yeah. Yeah. That's my taste. That's, it's Listen, my taste. I'm sure if Jay-Z saw my wife, he'd be like, uh, I'm going to pass. Yeah. I don't like women with those size, size arms. <laughs> I don't like white moms. I don't like white moms. Yeah, I, never, I, never found, I never found Beyonce like super hot. No. When, when before she was what she is today, I might find her to be an amazing singer, a really great showman. There's something about. I understand like there's like a thing about her that like you know she has like an aura to her, but not like I'm not like damn. And it's only women. It's not really dudes that are like oh Beyonce's banging. It's only women. Like Beyonce's the most beautiful woman in the world. She's just like. And I think that they've said it enough that we're all going, oh, yeah, Beyonce's one of the most beautiful women in the J-Lo's world. I think J-Lo's ten times hotter. Ten times hotter. I think J-Lo's but gorgeous. I got to be honest with you. J-Lo, she needs to fucking ride off into the distance on a fucking old mule or something because she's – look, J-Lo, she's talentless. I don't want to say talentless, but she's <laughs> – Really? Come on. She's – you know, what? what is J-Lo, right? She is what um, – you know, Ariana Grande is today, you know, yeah. terrible attack in Manchester. Uh, but, you know, what, I'm, what I mean by that is J-Lo's superpower when she came out was that she was a fucking hot Spanish chick who would dance and she had a fat ass. And yeah. you didn't give a shit about the songs. Like, it was a producer that wrote the song. You were like, I'm whatever. Like On the block. Yeah. You just looked at the, you're like, God damn, this bitch is fucking smoking, right? Yeah. And now that she's a fucking mom who's like, you know, in her 40s and then she's still shaking her ass like a 19-year-old, you're like... 
I got this, yeah. J-Lo. We've got a whole other new breed of girls to shake their ass and dance. And, like, yeah. she's still doing that. She didn't, like, move into this, like, I'm older now and now I'm doing, you know, refined movies or my music is, for you know, more contemporary. Yeah, she didn't really grow up. Yeah, she's doing the same dumb shit. You're like, J-Lo, beat it. That's really interesting. You crazy she, old she broad. She really, like, grew like it's like if Whitney Houston still had the the really uh, the really tight curls and the pink outfit, and yeah, would dance around on stage. Whitney Houston grew. She into- grew up. I'm sure she died of a crack addiction, but sure, <laughs> she graduated from crack to crack. Uh, that's really interesting you say that because like one of the things that uh, that um oh my fucking brain is fried from this weekend. Uh, Duncan Trussell said to me. Love Duncan. He said Duncan to me, moved to New York and he's become quickly one of my favorite people in the world. He is. He's the man. Great. Yeah. Great dude. And he's the, the thing I love about him the most is you can call him when you're going through something really tough. And he'll be there for you. He'll be there and he'll He's talk such to you. a sweet guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He said to me, if you're not growing on your podcast, then you're not growing as a man. He said, I, we were sitting here, he goes, I like Letterman, but he never really grew as an artist. Yeah. He, goes, he did that one thing and then just did that until he was 70. He was like, I don't know. I think you should be growing this whole time. And I was like, I fucking didn't really. Like, if you look at Rogan, what Rogan's podcast started off as to what it is today. Rogan has fucking grown with yeah. that. You see a maturation like a, of a renaissance man who's like, fuck it. I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to start running today. I'm going to learn archery. Yeah. I'm going to start hunting. I'm going to, you know, like. As a human being, well, I, I talk about the same thing. It's so funny. We, we, we all, you know, great minds think alike, as they say. But it's like, you can listen to me. Go back and listen to Legion of Skanks episode one, okay? And you can listen to me just being a fucking kid. We're in my living room doing this podcast, you know, just, you know. Uh, this is six, seven years ago now to, you know, I find out my son's mother's pregnant and we discuss it, you know, on the podcast. Like yeah. this before I had it, before I even thought about having a child, there's this person. And now it's like, I'm a guy who I'm picking out a preschool for my son right now. And we're, you know, we're visiting Montessori schools to figure out if that's the, the, the proper channel to send him into. And I'm just, you know, talking to different homeschooling parents and we're maybe thinking about doing our own homeschooling program. It's like a Holy, I'm still a shithead and I still do stupid shit and say stupid shit. But just in terms of as a human being, more than anything else, even forget for me, but as a fan, I think it's so interesting to be able to literally just watch that timeline because on television and everything else, it's so filtered and it's so we're presenting it. And all of the podcasts that if you're, you know, if you love this cast, Burkast, Legion of Skanks, you know, Rogan or, or whatever it is, these are all, these podcasts are based in reality. You know, they're based in like real time emotions. If I'm in a bad mood or I'm not being funny one day or something happens, you're going to get that on the podcast oh, yeah. with television or a TV show. You might've loved Seinfeld for the whole time it was on, but it is a very specific piece and it's a piece of content that's molded a certain way. You know, you're getting the real fucking deal. You're getting Burt Kreischer right now. You're getting Louis J. Gomez right now. We forgot about these microphones a little while ago, you know, and we're having a conversation and it's one of the only mediums that you're getting that even in radio and I work in radio currently, I have a contract with Sirius XM. I do a show with Michael Bisping on uh, Rush 93. You are getting a very produced, very whittled down version of who we are. I didn't realize how fucking amazing Michael Bisping is. He's the fucking shit. He he's the shit. He really is. He's one of the coolest guys in the world, and he's uh, he loves podcasting. Really loves dude. He drew, he's sick as a dog. Just got back from England. You know the, he's losing the GSP fight now. He's gonna fucking you know all knee issue. His fucking face is all fucked up. He's he's just like he still is like yeah dude let's go do a podcast. Let's meet in LA tomorrow and we'll we'll do it. We'll sit down at a table. Yeah. He's hacking up along, but he he loves. 
he just he gets what this is. He gets that you're getting to give a piece of yourself every single week. And, you know, I think his, people's perspective or perception of him started changing once he started doing the radio show. Oh, once it, it stopping the Ultimate Fighter. Because the Ultimate Fighter, you saw him on, you know, he was presented a certain way. It was a brash, dickhead, fucking, you know. And then he started having real conversations. And you find out he's a family man. You find out he's got three kids. And he's like a, a really good dad and a really good dude. Very romantic with his wife. Loves his wife. You see all these aspects that you don't really get from a UFC countdown show or from anything else. Yeah. Um, and then people go like, oh, shit, I can relate to that guy. Yeah, yeah, that I, I think it's it's. I mean, look at look at uh look at what's happened with Brendan Schaub's career. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has he has gone from a guy who was you know <clears throat> just a fighter. I don't think really you really knew much about his personality. You saw him on the Ultimate Fighter, but like you were like, oh you yeah, know. you have no idea. Stipe Miocic. I thought he was gonna have a Russian accent until the first time I fucking uh, interviewed him on a radio show. Yeah, because unless I watch the fights in the bars a lot, the volumes down. You're like, yeah, Stipe, like oh Stipe Miocic. Oh, this guy must be a fucking Russian destroyer, just yeah. killing people. And he's like, hey, what's up, dude? The um the podcast I always wanted to do was um with Mayhem. I wanted to do a podcast where uh, where we don't we're, we're not together when we do it. We always do it separately, and it's just him in the first five minutes losing his mind about something, and then uh, storming off, and then I just do the rest of it. And he just records his part and sends it in. Yeah. Once a week, he just records whatever, and I just I just hear him, and he I tell him, hey, just remember that I'm going to be in the room also. So. Say, do, do you know what I mean, Bert? And just yes or no answers to me. And then give me five minutes and then storm off. And that'll be our intro for That's every funny. podcast. That's really yeah. funny. But uh, I have, I've, I've been texting back and forth with them for a long time. But I, I I'm never home. And I think I'm, I'm doing a gig with them tonight. And I where? At the Dime. Yeah? No, 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 no. He was on it last week. I'm doing it tonight. It's with Jason Ellis. He'll be there. Jason Ellis is an interesting fucking Yeah, yeah I'm doing his show on Thursday as well. Are you? Yeah, he, he's on Legion of Skanks. I like Ellis. Yeah, Ellis is a cool dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an interesting guy. He, yeah. he did something really fascinating, I thought, where he entered that car race and fought in an MMA fight in, in one day. Oh, I didn't know he did that, he yeah. second in the car race and won his fight. Oh, good. And I thought to myself, I was like, I need to challenge myself. Like, I want to challenge myself to do something like like a triathlon or, or like wonder- would you fight would you ever fight because we're trying to set up uh, Legion of Skanks fight night right now me versus Big J uh, Sam Tripoli versus Ari Shafir oh, I heard about that Dave Smith versus Mark Normand we're, uh, we're yeah everyone's in everyone's in too like we're doing this would you fight someone fight Tom fight Segura we're doing it for charity Ari, you know who Ari's gonna uh, fight for who Trump campaign that's his charity he's donating if he wins his, his portion of the purse is being donated to Trump Ari. I love Ari so much. He's the I, best. I've, I've been obsessed with getting off the grid ever since. And I said to him, I was like, I think I'm going to, when I, I do my special in February, I think I'm going to go to hike uh, Mount Kilimanjaro or something. Just or like, crazy. Just, just just get the fuck out. The only problem is I have kids. And they're, like, they're going to be like, well, Dad, why don't, we just, why don't we just not work for a couple of weeks and hang out with us? Yeah. Which is, by the way, just as beneficial for me probably than going to Kilimanjaro. Yeah. But Kilimanjaro is apparently not a tough hike. Just you got to take forever because you got to acclimate. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, that I'm very much. I wish I could be in a place where Ari was. You know, to to even put my phone down. I was talking to my therapist about it. It's like uh, you in therapy? Yeah, I see a psychiatrist. Uh, which which one do I see? Psychologist is the one. They the ones that medicine. the boring ones that can't prescribe medicine to the psychologist. That's what I got. Oh, uh, they can't prescribe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the point, Bert. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah, I run my my meds by him. It's like dating a girl that only give you a hand job. You're like, I guess. 
Well, when, when are we going to bring this to the next level? Yeah. I told him the other day, I take, uh, I take Xanax like my first day off the road. Yeah. So like I, I'll usually party pretty hard. And then that first night, I want to be dialed in with my family. Yeah. And I could, you know, like what I used to do is just have a bottle of wine with my wife. But then I was like, I want to be dialed in for my family and and be able to wake up in the morning. And yeah. So if I take... Uh, a quarter of a milligram of Xanax. I don't. You don't really feel it, but it just relaxes you. Just like, yeah, it calms you down a yeah, little bit. So uh, I usually do that, and I ran it by my therapist, and he was like, "Yeah, it sounds good to me." I was like, "Of course it does to you." Yeah. You're yeah. Like, what, are, what else are you gonna say? Yeah, yeah. I don't That's think it. legally you can say anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, yeah, I started seeing one a little while ago. Um, I, I mean, I just have like you know a bunch of issues, but um, yeah, I think that uh, one of the things that he was saying to me because I'm like obsessed with work now and I'm also you at a different one of the hardest working dudes I know. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. You know, it's, 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 I'm at a place, I'm at a different place than probably most people that are, come onto this show. Whereas like, I'm not a new comic, but I'm not really a headliner yet where, I mean, I, I do headline, but I'm not getting like, I don't have an agent that books me to headline. I book myself to headline. Yeah. I, you know, me, you know, I book my own shit and I, you know, I kind of work for myself. Um, so it's a lot of hustling. It's a lot of like working. It's a lot of, you know, I feel as if, I take my foot off the gas for a minute that I'm going to miss a hundred opportunities. Uh, yeah. And it's I'd be dying to know what Ari's numbers for his, po- I could ask him, but he, I heard him in the podcast saying that when he came back, his numbers dropped. I'm sure. And so, and I was like, that's one of my things is that I don't want to stop working. Cause I don't want to stop posting podcasts because yeah. I know my numbers have grown exponentially every week. You that need I deliver to be consistent. Yeah. It has to be, it has to be super consistent. And that's the thing. Like, you know, I, it's i don't know i don't want to say it's an obsession but it's like you know i i have a um i i love what i do i love podcasting i love radio i love producing things i love doing stand up i i love writing you know i've now put myself into a position i'm i'm going at you talked about you know rogan being a renaissance man or are you kind of doing what you want to do or are you hiking mount kilimanjaro i'm now in a position in my career i'm moving into you know this this almost second life of you know my or the second I almost look at like every 10 years is like a new chapter in your comedy career. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you, you know, what happens at the end of that first 10 years? And it's like you got to a certain level. Now I'm kind of in this second phase, you know, yeah. where I've been doing comedy for, you know, my second decade. And it's like, I almost feel like, um, yeah, I almost feel like if I stop working, I... I I have like I'm I'm a hippie I'm a salesman too so my mentality is like you know I could if I turn left instead of returning right one day I could set my whole life on a different trajectory yeah. who knows what the fuck could happen right oh I do that all the you time you know and it's like I and I almost obsess over it so I go like all right well I constantly have to consider what's the right move what's the right move and now I'm in a position in my career where everything that I do holds value I love everything that I'm doing. I'm not doing anything where I'm going like, I fucking hate coming in here. I hate doing this. Love it all, you know? And I I would like to eventually start replacing the things that I'm doing that I, you know, that are all work. Like say, all right, well, maybe I don't need to, you know, do this other thing and I can start shooting guns, which I've been, I've I've gone shooting three times and I fucking love it. Can you shoot guns in California? Yeah. I can just go to a range and just shoot? Yeah. Oh, I might do that tomorrow. The only problem is all the ranges are in the bad neighborhoods. So sometimes you see the cholos in there in the khakis and the wife beaters practicing for mm. the weekend, I guess. It's okay. And, but it, it is kind of crazy when you see gangbangers in a in a gun range. Because yeah, I, I went in one time and uh, and I realized, oh, fuck, these are like, this is a legit gang. They're all in here working out or whatever. And I had a panic attack. <laughs> really? And I started crying. No. And then they started fucking getting scared of me. They're like, who's this fucking crazy white boy who's got tears in his eyes? I also didn't have my headsets on. 
So I was hearing how l- loud the guns were, and it yeah. was making me jump. It was fucking crazy. Yeah, I, I never shot guns before. Um, I, you know, maybe two years ago, a fan of mine hit me up and was like, "Let's let's go out to the woods and shoot guns." Sounds like a terrible idea, but I'm. I was like Chris Kyle got killed. Yeah, literally (laughs) the story of Chris Kyle, right? But I was like, "Fuck it." We went out, and this guy is super cool. Um, fucking great dude out in Connecticut. Him and his wife would just like make us edibles, and we just go shoot fucking pistols, and you know, you know what? What do they call it? A compound bow. Had a compound bow. Have you ever shot a compound bow? Yeah, yeah, dude. That is fucking that dude shooting guns. Look, I, I, I don't believe that people should be able to just walk in, buy a gun, and have a death stick where they could pull, pull the trigger and take somebody else's life. I think that there should be a lot of red tape there. Yeah. There's a lot of crazy people in the world that, you know, I shot guns in Texas. They were like, uh, fill out this thing. Are you a felon? No. It's a fucking, they just trusted that I wasn't a felon. All I, I wrote, no. There was take no background. on it. There was no background check. There was nothing. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy to me. And I could literally just turn and kill somebody. It's as simple as that. If I was suicidal. The crazy thing. There's no safety on the gun when you're in a gun range where someone couldn't just turn and shoot you in the head. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, there's no, like, like the, uh, rope on the gun where it doesn't turn. You can't take it. And out look, I it. understand the people that are like, yeah, dude, but I'm, you know, I, I'm. I'm not a criminal. I'm, you know, you know, I, I, I'm very responsible. And believe me, after I've held a gun a few times, I go, yes, there is, there's, it is good to know how to use this. Oh, yeah. It's really good to know how to load a, load a clip, take it off, you know, safety, you know, cock it and shoot it. The, the value there, because you see in movies all the time, right? I was watching The Purge. We mentioned The Purge before, yeah. right? And the fucking one chick, you know, in The Purge, every scene somebody's about to die and then they get shot to death from somebody from behind that happens like a hundred times in the purge right but it's like teenage girls like 13 year old girls like pick up the gun and like fucking yeah you would never in a million years we went shooting guns with michelle wolf who's a brilliant comic really brought up michelle wolf she's awesome she's so cool what a cool chick man she's fucking really funny and she's actually a great great broad yeah for i don't know if she'd like me calling her a great broad but but uh, yeah her name's come up she's great She's she's also super cool. Yeah. But we went shooting a gun. She's a woman, okay? She's fucking shit. She's shooting at a target. She's shaking. She's just shooting it at the ground. It was bananas. There's no way a 13-year-old is going to pick it up and go, okay, now I can shoot a gun. Sorry. First time I held a gun in my hand, you're like, this is fucking scary. Yeah. This is a death stick, okay? Oh, yeah. But I do believe that if we do have guns and they are out there, I think that it's more valuable to give people a few lessons on how to use them, oh. whether it's in school or at a, at a younger age. So if something does ever happen where there is a gun and they have to pick it up, they don't hurt themselves. You know, they find a gun in the woods. You know what I'm saying? You know how to put it on safety. You know how to pick it up. You know how to make sure to check that there's not a bullet in the chamber. Those are valuable things to learn because yeah. the first time I loaded a clip, I was like, oh, my God, is this thing going to go off? And I'm loading the clip. You know, I don't even know. You, you, I have no fucking clue. how. To, there's no danger in putting a bullet into the clip. There's absolutely no danger. But because it's this thing that you're not familiar with, I'm in New York. I grew up, you know, with a very liberal family. It, a bullet, just a bullet in your hand. You're like, wow, this is fucking dangerous. Yeah. Take this bullet away from me. You know, so oh, I think there's real value there. I, well, the, um, I never shot a gun all growing up. And then one day my roommate, we were living in L.A. And he was like, uh, hey, let's go shoot guns. And we went and we did it. And we enjoyed it. And then my wife's a redneck. My wife grew up shooting guns. And she has a gun. She was like, oh, let's She has a gun. Oh, yeah. And you, you, hold on, you hadn't shot a gun before. And you were with her. And she had a gun. She owned a gun. And you had never shot it. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Yeah, and she and and she was like she was like took it like you could see her face change. Once she 
pulled her gun out and put it in her purse to take it down to take it down to the to the firing range. Yeah. You could see her face change. Like and I was like, whoa, and she got real serious. And to this day is like real serious. But I've shot the what's really fun, really fun is going to the gun range in Vegas. I hear it's crazy. Shoot. Out like out in the like desert. No. What? It's on the strip. It's like right off the strip. And they bring you back to this private room and you're back there and you're shooting guns that you say this is shaking organs loose. Like, yeah. Go cannons. It is crazy. I've done that. And like those guns are so intense. You can't fly within 24 hours because you're covered in gunpowder. Really? Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah, they, if you do that, they give you a card saying he was here shooting guns. I was, I shot an AK 47. That was the scariest gun that I shot. Yeah. Cause so rugged and fuck. Cause you, you know, you shoot an AR 15 or a semi-automatic assault rifle it's so funny the people that are like, oh, you gotta, you got you gotta get rid of the AR-15. Gotta get rid of the AR-15. You know, you know, no, no grandma is gonna have an AR-15 to protect her home. Yeah. Let me explain to you something. Okay. Give a grandma a handgun. She's not hitting anybody. Sorry. Yeah. That's it. Give your grandma a handgun. She's gonna probably kill herself. That you know, like she's done. There's no way. A handgun is a fucking. It's a. It's a. You know, it is a. Uh, you gotta be good with it. Yeah. It's a skill. Dude, my wife's gun, I could not hit the target 10 feet from me. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a smaller... It's a skill, it's, dude. And my wife just bop, pop, pop. Right in the we, dick. Yeah, what's crazy is my wife will always says, if someone breaks into the house... Give me I'll, my gun. I'll deal with it. Yeah. Because my wife Bert, does not... Put your little dick away. <laughs> Shit is not... This guy's laughing. Bert, show him your dick. I'm going to shoot him, okay? And, and I'll probably end up shooting one of our kids first. Yes. Because... I was walking back here one time. She goes, "Hey, we take the garbage out," and I was like, "Yeah." And I had I have this flashlight that's also a taser, and uh, and so I if I'm doing stuff outside at night, I always have that flashlight because it just it doubles. She thought I wasn't taking out the trash, so she went out and did it, and I cut this corner right as she cut the corner, and I immediately pulled the trigger on the taser. But <laughs> my wife's like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, sorry, you caught me off guard. She's like, if that had been a gun, you would have just shot me. I was like, definitely I would have yeah. shot you. I Thank God I don't have a gun. Yeah. That's funny. But my wife's like, if I pull that gun out, I'm killing somebody. Yeah. She's got hollow point bullets in it. But see, that's, and that's the thing. Your wife knows how to use it. She's you know educated. She grew up around guns. But if you want a grandma to, to protect herself, yeah. give her an AR-15. There's no kickback. She could fucking, she could literally, she, from a hundred feet away, she could put a bullet in between a gangster's eyes. Yeah. I'm telling you, dude, the scope is, I mean, you just look through the scope and you're like, okay, I gotta just, I gotta just point the scope where the, the, the crosshairs line up in between his eyes. And then I just tap the button and then it does, it's it's not even that big of a sound. It's kind of like pop. Yeah. And that's it. And then he's dead. And then, oh, if I miss, I can just go pop, 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 and light up him and his whole crew. Light up him and his Get the fuck out of here. My grandmother is having a semi-automatic assault rifle, okay? And that is, I'm not giving her a handgun. That's the other problem that I hate is like, is like, look, once again, I don't have a real horse in this race because I just don't have a gun. So I really think they're funny shit. They're fun. Yeah, they're funny shit. But just admit they're fun. Stop pretending it's for any other reason. Yeah. And they're fun. They're, it really feels fun to have a gun in your hand. Dude, if you have a water gun, think about the how awesome you feel. If you have a water gun and you squirt somebody, you're like, yeah, how, they're just a projectile. There's something about shooting somebody. If I could put a trigger on my dick, I would love that. Well, dude, think about shooting a load all over a girl's face. Think about the power you feel there. Yeah. There's a connection. There is. The... <laughs> 
the thing is that they go, we need to get rid of all guns. Well, we're just going to get rid of all the people that would were not doing bad things with them. Yeah. All the people like me who would be like, I'm going to go turn in my gun because that's the law. Yeah. That, that, and then, so then I no longer have a gun. Yeah. And all the people. All the bad guys, they don't care. They're bad guys. Yeah. They're already committing crimes. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, it's it's the, it's like it's a big problem and the pro you know people this is we this it's good that we have a conversation like this because neither of us have a horse in the race yeah. you know we're not I'm not a, I'm not against guns I'm not for them I just I feel like from a very human perspective I got a fucking kid you know people people are stupid people drive recklessly people drunk drive all the time you know you there's a lot of fucking there's a lot there's a lot of tests to go get a driver's license there's a lot of red tape there's a lot of signs out there there's a lot of paint on the ground there's a lot of traffic stops and there's all of these crazy regulations and rules because the truth is it, it can be a dangerous tool it's, that it's that even, big machine get a motorcycle get yeah. a motorcycle is extremely difficult i mean because you have to pass a test that is pretty tough. Yeah, you have to legit know how to drive a motorcycle. So that the same, I almost feel like the same type of um, restrictions you have, or you know, I even more so. Um, but I feel like you should really consider that. And I, a lot of the people that are really into the NRA and you know, you know, gun nuts, they're just like, oh, the less the less restrictions, the better. And you're like, guys, let's just have an adult conversation about this. Like, you know, we all know that there's a person. You know, maybe they're not even crazy before they get their gun, right? Let's yeah. say it's a dude who, like, you know, he's, hey, it's you or I. Look, we go get a license, we take the test, and we're cool, right? And let's say they've implemented, you know, psychological testing and, you know, they, they do background tests and your family and all this other shit. Well, what happens when you just fucking go crazy one day? What happens when your girlfriend cheats on you and that sends you over the edge? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a lot of – it's a lot – it's just a big responsibility, and I think that we should treat it as a big responsibility. I, I think I we think, do for the most part. Way, most states do. And there should be a bigger responsibility to having kids. That's like there Yeah, there really be, should be. There should be a test you have to take to have a kid. Yeah. Because I've seen some idiots with fucking kids. Of course. And you're like – and I'm like – and I'm, by the way, I was not – I am an okay dad. Like no, I, stop. I should, you're a great dad. If I had taken a test, I might not have been able to have these kids. Just the way I think. Like I'm, I'm not – What do you think they should be on the test though? What do you – you know – Oh, like what you think it should be like a situational test? Like, what would you do in this scenario? Yes, but it should also open your eyes to what life's going to look like now forever. And answer D is always come to yeah. see if you ever because like, the answer is never come. Yeah, but if you ever circle question D, you yeah. fail the test automatically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I uh, I just didn't realize what a responsibility would be. I said this the other day. Uh, I think I might have said it to my wife. I was like, I think I signed up to be a dad. Not like a father. Right. Like I'm today I was like, Georgia didn't feel well. And I was like, stay home. And my wife's like, no. And I go, baby, if she doesn't feel well, we're going to Hawaii next week. Let her stay home. Rest up. Yeah, rest up. We got we're going to Hawaii. I'm not gonna fucking waste money on Hawaii. And my wife's yeah. like, She needs to go to school. You can't just take keep her out of school. And I yeah. said, Yeah, I can. Watch. I go, George, you're not going to school today. And so George is like, I really do feel shitty, mom. And she Leanne's like Okay, and then I go, hey, let's watch uh, Age of Ultron. And she's like, all right. And so we watch this movie that I don't know if it's kid appropriate or not. It's the <laughs> Avengers. And then and then she goes, uh, what, what's next? I go, Batman versus Superman. Well, let's have a fucking superhero day. You want a beer? I, that's a dad. Yeah, that's <laughs> a dad. And then she's like, she, I, we were talking about food. I go, oh, we got pizza in there. And she's like, I think it's old. I go, it's pizza. Only one way to find out. Exactly. So we ate. We <laughs> old pizza, pizza never kill or kill nobody. Yeah. Old pizza doesn't kill anybody. And so, and then and then uh, and then Atel calls and he's like, uh, "I can be over there at two. And I was like, "Oh, I got a bail on you. Atel's coming over." 
And so I just came back into the man cave with Sigur and Atel, and yeah. she just sat in there by herself. And then, and then I just came in. At one point, I go, Isla's there. And I go, Tom and Natel are sitting right there. Isla's, my youngest, is in bed with her. I go, what the fuck are you doing here? And you can hear, <laughs> even David Tell's like, yeah, I didn't know he talks to his kids out like that. Uh, that's funny. And so, yeah, but like, it just is a lot bigger of a responsibility. Like, I look at like guys like, like when Bobby had a kid, I was like, oh, he was ready for it. Yeah. He, well, he also, he, you know, he waited. How old were you when you had your kids? 30... 31 yeah i was about the same age i was about 30 which is by the way i believe that's pretty old to have a kid but yeah. it's not not for comedy yeah we act we're really 10 young years father. younger yeah. comedians act 10 years younger if you meet a 25 year old comedian they're acting like they're 15 years old in their life yep they're acting like they're they're kids i'm 35 years old i act like i'm 25 oh. I, the, the people that live the way that i live my life are 25 years old you oh know? yeah i act like i'm 35 like yeah, I, yeah. I was responsible today because I was like, I didn't feel good, and I was like, I, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna go to the store because I'm gonna run myself down. Yeah. If I go to the store tonight, I'll end up staying there late. Now I find out that Atel's going, you're going, Segura's going. And I was like, you're going, bro. And then all, all of a sudden, I'm like, fuck, I should call up Adam and be like, I'm feeling better. But and then I was like, no, I need to sleep. Like I've been on the road really hard. I need, and I'm not, I'm just gonna get sick if I go out tonight. Hmm. And so, uh, but that's like me, the most responsible I am. And yeah. Then Atel, even Atel back there, he's like, he's like. He's like, it took me a really long time to not go work every night. And he's like, give it to yourself. He's like, yeah. you've, trust me, you've earned the right to stay home tonight. Mm. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, but I think I think you're a uh, yeah you're a good dad. All, all those little stupid things. I mean, that's just that's just you being a cool dad. That's just you having a connection with your kid, right? So yeah, I, I think I that. Do you ever see like? Do you ever see other dads and they seem very fatherly? They're like, son, no, or like. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, look. Dude, I see that in LA. I, I talk to my, you know, me and my kid. We're buddies. I'm a dad. You know, I'm definitely, I, and I'm definitely a father to him as well. But I've also, you know, like I said, you know, we do the peaceful parenting thing, and you know, I'm not, I'm not crazy like some peaceful parents. Like you go into these, some of these Facebook What's groups. Peaceful, peaceful parenting it means you don't use aggression or violence towards your kids, which it should just be called parenting. Yeah, um, I don't hit my kids. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've never yeah, I've never even spanked my kid in the hand. Spanked Isla once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it just got too much. And if you ask your wife, she'll probably admit that it was a mistake. Oh yeah, she. I, been, yeah, you know, it was so big, and I, I got really upset. I go, whoa, that's like a, it's a decision we made. Yeah. She's like, you weren't there. You don't know what the fuck was going on. Mm. Yeah, and look, like, at, look, I'm not. I don't. I hate to look. I do judge parents that hit their kids. I I, I hate to be. I gotta be honest with you. I do. If you're to judge people for shit. Striking a child is something you should judge them for. Do, I don't know. I it's. A, did, I think it's, you, did you get hit? Yeah, I got fucked up. My mom would like close fist punch me in the face. Belts, weapons, fucking like yeah, like real deal. My mom from when I was like, I remember being like seven. My mom punching me at seven, just going like, "I'm a child." Like just having that idea, be like, "How are you punching me? You're an adult. I'm a yeah. child, right?" I just really, really young. So I think I went extreme, maybe for that reason. I don't know. Um, some parents will, you know, they'll tell you. Like, like you, if your kid's like in the park and won't leave, like, oh, well, I'm going to leave. And you start to walk away and then the kid goes, no. And then the chimp chase after you, they say that that's like too far, that that's threatening abandonment. I'm not crazy like that. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll, I'll punish my son in the sense that if he's acting up, which to be honest, he doesn't too often, but I'll say, okay, well, you're going to hang out for a few minutes, cool off for five minutes, hang out at the table and he'll cry a little bit. Um, and they'll say, oh, that's controlling. You're not supposed to do that to your kid. So I'm not a fucking lunatic, but no, I don't strike my, my son. Uh, we were talking about it before kids mimic us. If you hit a child, they, you are programming them to believe that you use aggression, physical aggression in order to get what they want out of people. Um, and it's funny because I, I love MMA, but you know, I'm, I'm just 
I, I don't believe that that's the way that you should be programming fucking kids. Um, and then I also don't threaten violence. I don't, he's never, he's never threatened. That was another thing. Even when my mom wasn't hitting me, my mom would constantly be threatening to hit me. Like, if you don't do this, I'm going to, you know, you're going to get your ass beat. And that's a thing that even people that are like, maybe they don't, they like, Oh, I have to spank once a year, but the threat of a spank is just constantly looming. And I think that that really does a lot to like fuck up a kid psychologically. And I think that when you look at like the obsession with violence in this country and how, how many, you know, and, and how violent people are and how quick people are to fight, you have to look at that. If you look at like the minority communities where spanking and child abuse and, and not having a father in the home is at a much higher, um, higher level. Yeah. Yeah, all these kids are violent criminals. They're going to jail. It's, it's happening at a way higher rate. And if you people don't look at the connection, for, and for some reason people love to defend spanking children, people will listen to this and they're going to go, yeah, but you know, you you, you know, you got to see your you know your kid. You know, they they don't always listen. They don't. And you're like, dude, are you crazy? There's a great Stephen Molyneux had a great um, quote where he mm-hmm. talked about it. Stephen Molyneux, he's like a libertarian. Like you know, he's he's who I really started researching. He's the one that I. Um, that first kind of introduced me to peaceful parenting as a concept. I, did, I never was going to spank my kid, but this is after I had had my kid. I didn't realize it was a term even. Like, we just um, didn't do it. But he just talked about, like, if your logic is that your kid isn't going to understand unless you spank them because they don't have the mental capacity to understand. It was like, well, why don't you use that same logic with your parents when they're 90 and they're no longer completely there? And, you know, let's say they forget something. Well, why don't you take them over your knee and start spanking them? Because that's the only way that they're going to understand, you know, and we don't apply that to anybody, but we do it with children because we treat children like they're second class citizens. When in the reality, they're actually even more important than us. Any good parent looks at their child as being more important than them. Typically, it's shittier parents that are going like, all right, well, you're going to do how I want to, you're going to act how I want you to act and we're going to do what I want to do right now. And that's kind of how my mom was. And I watched it and I just didn't want to be that. Yeah, I yeah, I, I just remember being hit and it and it just and I wasn't hit a lot, but I but I was spanked, uh, definitely spanked. And my dad to this day is like, "I never did that." I'm like, "You definitely did." <laughs> yeah. I definitely remember. I'm not going to ever forget the shame in it. Yeah. The shame and the weirdness that we had to reconnect as as like two people that lived in the same house mm. after you totally just spanked me. Like and so I never liked it and I, Louis was I remember Louis one time I don't know if I was talking to him. I know I, I was driving in a car with him and I said, uh, I said we were going from Fort Lauderdale to West Palm. I just had Georgia two weeks ago and I said, uh, do you spank? And he goes, no. And I said, why not? And he goes, cause I didn't like it. And he's like, so why would I do something I didn't enjoy? Like, why would I do that? And then I remember being an attorney and I remember when you had the opportunity to haze cause we were hazed really bad. We were hazed. I was like, I'm not going to haze because I always like those brothers who are cool and they were like, yeah, don't worry about it. Call me Bert. You know, let's call me brother Edward Penis Lips or whatever my <laughs> nickname was. I was like, just call me Bert. Be cool. If I, yeah. if I, if I need a cigarette or a dip, I might ask for one, but right. if it's your last one, I'm not going to take it. And I was like, yeah, I'll just be that guy. Yeah. I think that's why my parenting approach has been. Yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing. You know, we all use that approach. You know, how you look at yourself. How do people get something out of you? It's not by hitting you and punching you and, and threatening you and shaming you and calling you names. It's by saying, Hey, I respect you. Right. If you, if you want to, if you want to, you know, I, I have a sales background, but if I want to impress a client, right. And I want a client to act how I want them to act. Right. I, you know, I want to, I want to get money out of a client. Right. Yeah. I don't hit them. How do I get it? I, 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 
I, I try to appease what they're looking for and I try to give them what they're looking for and I try to come to their level, you know? So that's what I do with my son. It's, it's a very similar approach to my son. I don't know. Maybe I got lucky and I have the sweetest fucking kid in the world, right? I don't think so. I don't think it's a coincidence that we speak to my kid. If my son starts having a meltdown, I don't go, get in the fucking car. It's my way or the highway. Yeah. Which I think a lot of parents, that good parents, not even bad parents, I would say. That's like, that's not a crazy thing for most parents. Even oh, hear yeah. that, most people are going like, oh, that's not crazy. You know, yeah, that's what a, a fucking dad would do. I, a lot of dads I watch do that, that most people would consider good dads. But what I do is I take a knee and I say, James, let me explain to you why you need to get in the car. Let me explain to you the benefit of you getting in the car right now and why yeah. it's going to work out for you and why you shouldn't be crying. And I have a conversation and it may take a little more time, but I'm not... I'm not programming my kid to go and do that to other people. I'm the guy that, like, if somebody fucks with me or my friends in the street, I'm willing to go fist fight them, right? I'm ready, very ready to go, right? And it's a, not a good thing. You know what I'm saying? I don't do it anymore. I'm not, like, as quick to fucking, you know, if some, something goes down, like, I'm, I'm definitely not a pussy and I wouldn't hide from it. Yeah. Um, but now that I have a kid, my dad was stabbed to death when I was a child. He was murdered. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have a huge fear of, like, getting into a fight and something going down and not being there for my kid. Yeah. So, you know... But that comes from a place. That comes from a need to prove myself. It comes from, you know, my mom hitting me and me shrinking down and, and now having a need to prove my manhood. That sucks. My kid should never have a need to prove his manhood or his worth. He's told that he's loved every day. He's told that he's worth something every day. And in my opinion, that's the way that we should be treating kids. And I think that that's the answer to all this bullshit. Fuck dirty jokes, racism, yeah. gun control, all this other shit, dude. If we just start treating our fucking kids right, if everybody made a commitment to just treat our kids right, I believe that we will go leaps and bounds in society. That's the one thing that I take from being a parent. I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm telling you, I'm watching it happen. I'm watching this child grow into the world and he can affect it in a negative way or he can affect it in a positive way. And it's my responsibility to make sure that he affects it in a positive way. I, I watched a dad at our school berate his child in the most unhealthy way. Yeah. The kid was crying and he just sat him down and he got down on his level and started, this, I'm telling and it was at school and I was like, I know he's not hitting him, but he's definitely fucking him up. Yes. He's really fucking really him up. really fucking him up. And I was like, I was like, I wanted to say something, but I'm like, so hard, dude. So hard. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I mean, my dad, my dad is my, it was so interesting is my dad did spank me, not a ton, but I, but I, we always gotten threatened with the kitchen spoon. You get hit by the spoon if you act it up. Um, but my dad one time in San Francisco, how crazy that is like, think about like, it's like they'd show you the weapon. Yeah. It's like a thug coming to rob you, and they show you the gun. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 I didn't. I didn't use it on you, but I'm just showing it to you. Think my about mom, that fear tactic. That's crazy. My mom would be like, "I does it. I'm going to get the kitchen spoon," and you'd be like, "Okay, I'm done. I swear to God. I swear to God." <laughs> and she'd be like, "Are you sure?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah. I don't. You don't have to take out a weapon to hit me, like." And so let's not bring a third party into this. <laughs> but uh, Mom, you're twice my size. Yeah. You can do it without the weapon. Yeah. I'm also not going to hit you back. Yeah, I can't hit. Yeah, that was so fucked up. I'm not going to hit you back. You yeah. could probably just use your hand. But my, we were in San Francisco one time, and this guy was uh, really fucking lighting up his daughter. And he was, mm. like, dragging her. No, I would say something. I couldn't, I couldn't even deal with it. And, and, uh, and my dad walked followed this guy down the it was like it was down by the fisherman's wharf and the guy was taking her out and like outside the restaurant around the corner of the restaurant to i think he was gonna hit her in the back where no one was looking hmm. and my dad walked around and he's like get your hands off that fucking child right now i'm calling the fucking police and you watch this little girl go 
thank you, but this you're just making it worse. Yeah. And this guy got in my dad's face, and then I got up, and then, and then I, my dad's a lawyer, so my dad said something to him. He goes, my dad's like, hey, man, take some breaths. Let's talk. Yeah. And, then, and then the guy starts breathing, and he's like, it's okay. It's okay. She's just a kid. And then the guy's like, and then the guy said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. You're right. And my dad's like, I've been there. I've been there a million times. But he's like, uh, and I think I, the fact that I was behind my dad and the guy was looking at two guys, yeah. the guy calmed down. How old, were, how old were you during this? This is right when we had had Georgia. Okay. Oh, so, so wow. Okay. 32, maybe wow. 33. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't raise my the one thing that one bad parenting thing we've ever done that I that I that me and my wife were like I, we really fucked that one up. Hmm. The girls got into a fight and uh, it was really bad. And my wife's like, "You took uh, bets." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did a Thunderdome in the living room. We dressed him up in hockey gear and we're like, "Let's go, girls." Um, I we said to the girls, we like we're like, "You need to appreciate your sisters," and they were still being bitches about it, like hmm. really, like I don't. I don't need to appreciate her. My wife's like, maybe if we sent you guys to boarding school. And it seemed to register with Georgia, but Ida was still thugged out. And my wife's like, you know what? That's it. I t- I'll tell you what. We're sending you to the boarding school. And I was like, yep. And then we started like selling it like, you know what? Pick you up on the bus tomorrow. Get on with fucking 40 other girls that you don't know. Everyone's in blue uniforms. Take you out. And Georgia starts crying going, I don't want to go to boarding school. But Isla's still like, send me upstate, motherfucker. Yeah. She's like a thugged out, folding her clothes. Like, oh, How old oh. is Isla at this time? How this, old is Georgia? This was, this was very recent. Yeah. This is when we were renovating the house. And so we were all living in two rooms. We were up each other's ass. Yeah. The girls were fighting. And it got to the point where we had to sell it so hard to Isla that finally she bought it. She starts crying. But Georgia's over fucking whelmed <laughs> halfway through I had, to, I had to like start saying the boarding school <laughs> you, wasn't gonna be that bad I was like they got turn, horses you turned her into her cutter yeah <laughs> I was like I was like they got horses they got a swimming pool you're gonna like it Georgia cause like we couldn't tell her and you're still really trying cool. to fuck it and, that's yeah. so and, funny and and then Georgia came out that next morning and was like you promise you'll never send us a boarding school and I was like Ooh, we might have fucked that one up yeah I was like lying to them until they cried I was like man there was the one video remember these parents, they have a YouTube channel, and they prank oh, their kids. What happened? They fuck with their kids? So they fuck with the kids on the YouTube channel, and the you know I guess the father comes in, and there's a stain on the carpet, and the parents made the stain themselves. And the father just starts freaking out. Like, 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 and there's like three kids. Like, who fucking did this, dude? Who did this? And he's yelling yeah. in the kid's face. Like, and you're going like, all right. Like, I get that it's a prank, but kids aren't developed enough to to really grasp their emotions, right? Yeah. They don't, you know, you're fucking with like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a fucking scientist, right? I'm sure this would be a way better conversation with somebody like Joe Rogan who probably knows this shit. You know what I'm saying? But like chemically, you're doing something there, right? When you're screaming at a kid and they start crying and they shut down and they go like, they're, they're, <gasps> oh yeah, you're doing something. Them, dude. Imprint- don't, don't tell me that there's some sort of like some sort of psychological thing there, whether it's a chemical thing that's happening, you know, or, uh, immediately some sort of like endorphins that are being released. Um, you know, uh, what do they call it? Adrenaline that's being released. You're doing something and to do it to a child. I think that that's crazy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You wouldn't bring a, you wouldn't bring a five year old on a roller coaster because that would like fuck them up. They don't, under, you know, they can't truly grasp it. You know, yeah. the physical feeling and the emotion of that so it's like to do that remind I remind me to take that video down <laughs> we, have, we have isla at like fucking probably five years old oh my god dude. on splash mountain 
How what is, is so? It's it's a a flo- log ride. Yeah, that's not that bad. It's though. not that bad. But we, five year olds go on that one. But I got. I just got to show you this. She. We didn't know that there was a big drop. Oh, she loses their shit. Oh shit. She and and I'm videotaping it, and she fucking. It was. We call it, it was when I was doing Bert the Conqueror. We titled it Isle of the Conqueror. Oh, that's so funny. And it was. And by the way, I just took her on another ride when we did this year, and she did an even more intense face. I just got. I got. I got to show you the picture. By the way, she, okay, she was born in. She was. I think she was four. Fuck. <laughs> this is horrible parenting. You got to see this face, though. Yeah. Oh, it's ad. It's I guess I one of my advertisers. Yeah, while you're looking for that, but what happened? The parents scream yeah. at this kid, and then uh, you know, then they you know find out it's, it's it's a prank, and people are going like, "Yeah, you're abusing your kids. Like, do you, yeah. you you don't get that?" And these dumb fucking hicks or whatever they are, they're just like they're like, "No," it ain't. and then they turn the camera on the kid. They have a, a response video, and they're like, "Is that abuse?" And the kid's like, "No, it's not abuse. We're fine." You're like. Guys, you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> yeah, like it's fucking it's just a little bit crazy. So no, I don't think what you did there. I mean, you probably maybe took it a little too far. Here, here. Just look at the look on her face. Hang on, let me get this. Just look at the look on her face. Oh, so She's cute. Adorable. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah she's aww. oh she liked it though. she liked it aww. and now she loves thrill rides that's so cute dude that's it that's really cute it's so funny as soon as i had a kid i became like a big softy and i started loving kids that wouldn't dude. have meant shit to me five years ago yeah. i'd be like get your dumb kid video out of my face i'm sitting with i love kids dude i'm sitting uh, uh where was i oh it was in vegas and someone had a baby and I and I'm and they saw me staring at their baby. Yeah. And they said, "Hi, hi, and weirdo." I went, and I just I'm in dad mode. You got to tell go, them though. You like, go, I want that nose. I want to just pinch that nose right now. And she goes, "Do you have children?" I said, "Yeah, I have two children." No, I just want yeah, that nose. I want that nose. But the nose was perfect. And the kid was just smiling at me. I was like, "Yeah, oh, I fucking miss ba- the smell of baby." I know. Like, oh, it was so great. That's the part of me that's like, you know, I, no, me, you're in the sweet spot right now. Four years old was my favorite. It's the best. He's fucking. He's unbelievable right now. He's at an incredible age. But I'm starting to miss like having like a little baby. And me and my son's mother broke up, and I just don't think I could do it again. I I, so. I, I don't think I could go through it again. It's a, it's it's so much, dude. Yeah. And where I'm at, like where I was, I was in a different place in my career. I mean, I had a day job when we had the kid. Like you know, I was, you know, it's people don't even realize like young comics. Like you have a day job. It is heaven compared to like when you're really working in comedy like this is an insane amount of work and you love it and you're obsessed with it and you're like oh i can't breathe i open my eyes and i work until i close my eyes i'm working and it's this obsession so you know if you have a day job and you can just go home and disconnect and have a beer with friends afterwards that's that's a it's i'm envious of that not giving a fuck level about like my career and my job i wish i could disconnect sometimes i have that i can't i can't I feel like I can't stop. Yeah. I can't stop. I can't stop moving forward because I, I can't let up. I get panicked and I go, I got to promote that Hawaii show. Like, what am I going to do for that Hawaii video? Um, I got to, 
I need to put a video up for the Hawaii dates. I want to, I got Orlando coming up. Oh shit, I got to book my ticket. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I get I got to call people in New York for when I'm in after scan. I have Fest. a to-do list that just never ends. That it just keeps on being added. I'll never like I'll Big never J. Big J, I feel like he just wakes up and he's like I can't wait to go to the club and fuck around tonight. Yeah. Like he seems play like some so, video games. Yeah, play some video games. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything will work out. But you got to say look, Big J, you know, I would say, debatably, you know, one of the funniest people on the planet. Um, in my opinion, the funniest person I've ever met, like as a human. Oh, like um, will make me laugh. Like, you know, if I'm hanging out in a car with Big J, we could be in a fight. He and might we'll be, be the laughing. Most naturally talented comedian. The Chappelle talked about the language of funny, and like, um, just people are fluent in the language of funny. Like, Big J is not only fluent in the language of funny; he understands different dialects. Like, he just like he's and being that funny, the fact that he's not a household name. I think it speaks to the type of attitude, the blase attitude that he has with his career. And he's great. He's doing great. Especially now, he just sort of really hit a stride. He's got an hour and he's got a lot going on. But Big J doesn't have the same type of obsession with work that I have or that you have. Um, And he's basically getting by on being the funniest person on the planet. So talented. But if he had the same type of work ethic and just said, hey, dude, I'm going to... I'm going to... Probably not, to be honest with you. Probably not. But if he said, I'm going to write a script and as soon as I, I hit enter and that's the end of that script i'm moving on to my next project dude i'm telling you right now we just sold the thing literally i hung up the phone with my agent okay and then i just wrote him an email with the next project it wasn't even like it wasn't like let's celebrate for a moment that we're getting a little bit of dough for this thing yeah it was let's move on to the next project it was not like not even for a second i'm am i thinking about that um and look i mean if i had if i was you know making millions of dollars and i you know if i had you know rogan's career where you know, he can just do his podcast. Jordan could just do his podcast, do nothing else in the entire world. I think I would probably stop and smell the roses more. I would learn how to shoot bow and arrows and do jujitsu and do all this other shit. I just, I almost feel like if I was doing jujitsu, even like I just got back into the gym um, and I have to convince myself that I'm getting in shape for work. And I have to like, you know, even when I'm like, you know, in the steam room afterwards, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to bring in, I'll print out shit that I have to read and I bring it into the steam room to read while I'm in the steam room. Uh, the reason I, the reason I work out uh, is because I was having very, very low self-esteem and very low ego Like for a period of time. It was because I was so fat. Yeah. And I was having a hard time doing stand-up because I was just depressed. Yeah. And, I, and I wasn't feeling good about I don't want to project funny onto other people if I don't feel good. And so now I started working out and I lost 40 pounds. And now I, I, I feel like I deserve to feel happy. Yeah. I didn't deserve to feel happy when I was fat. You feel great. You walk out. You you get a good workout in. You feel you're eating healthy. You're like, dude, I fucking everything connects mentally. You connect with yourself. Yeah. All the people you're, you, you, it's almost like you look in the mirror. You're inspired. Just just as stupid as simple as that, right? Instead of looking in the mirror and going ugh, like and feeling shitty and feeling bad about yourself. Look, good people, good looking people are people that have never been fat. They don't understand this, right? Yeah. They don't get it. They don't get how looking in the mirror. Even if it's just a little bit, can just fucking set your day into a fucked up mood, right? Yeah. And when you're, you know, you look in the mirror, you're like, damn, I fucking look good. I feel good. Your fucking cock's hanging in a certain way. Your balls look big. Whatever it is, yeah. you get up and you, the next meeting you go to or the next conversation you have, you bring that type of energy with you, you know? And and that's that. And people that can be fat and happy, God bless them. It, it actually, were you ever in shape before th- like this? Were you, when you were younger, were you like in shape and you got oh. bigger when you were older? Oh, yeah, I was an athlete. You were an athlete, right. See, you were, I don't know, I mean, yeah, I, I guess you probably would feel this way as well, but 
I wasn't an athlete. I lost a bunch of weight, like, and I got really, really, really in shape, right? Yeah. And then I would fluctuate. I put some on, then I take some off, put some on, take some off, and I kind of. Um, but it has become like an obsession that I almost don't like that I didn't have before. I lost weight the first time. They, they wrote a really interesting article about that. A girl lost the weight, and she said, "Lost the weight," and. I'm, I'm going to fuck this article up, but I, I read it and she, I think she did the gastric bypass and then got her skin, her skin removed. And she was like, I think I was happier when I was fat. I think I was more comfortable with who I am. Now I'm very, cause concerned. you're not, you're not thinking about it when you're just fat, especially, you know, before the health initiative really kicked in and social media was at everyone's fingertips and you could get information so freely. I didn't know people didn't really understand what healthy eating was. No. You had to go educate yourself, right? Yeah, I used to eat I used to eat in college I'd eat rice and like I just eat a big bowl of rice. A rice cake I thought was yeah. healthy. I, I, it's just carbs. Yeah, I, I would eat uh, fat free cheese covered in rice with rice covered and then put ketchup all over it and be Yeah, it's like, perfect. Yeah, healthy, ha- meal. healthy meal. Healthy meal today. I yeah, yeah. Any chicken. So you don't you don't know that, right? And then you know, now with all at our fingertips, everyone's kind of becoming a little bit more, you know, conscious of it. But before I knew, it wasn't even like I was going like, oh, this is a choice that I'm fat. I'm just fat. These are my genes. This is, a, you know, a bad hand I was dealt. I dealt the same way we talked before about playing poker and just, it was just a card. It was a shitty card. I was fat. Yeah. I could still get pussy. I, I got tons of hot pussy when I was fat. When I was 300 pounds, uh, when in my first year of college, yeah. 320 pounds, tons of pussy. All hot chicks. I was always fucking... I was just always a funny, kind of loud, confident dude. I didn't. I wasn't fat. Like I wasn't gross fat. I was just big. You know, it was yeah. like I kind of, I kind of wore it well. Um, but it was, it was never like there was never an option or there was another way. Or I was leading this life. I just accepted it, and then I lived my life to the absolute happiest. And then when I realized that there was another way, and I realized that like, oh shit, I could lose weight. I could be. Now I look in the mirror, no matter how in shape I am, I still look at the little bit of fat or whatever it is, and I go like, ah, I want to fucking get that. So even when I'm feeling good, there's always that kind of obsession, and I have this, you know, kind of like OCD with a lot of stuff, and I have a lot of, I have ADD and OCD, which is like fucking crazy, you know what I'm saying? My OCD is is crippling at times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's not like it's not even like OCD where I gotta have a clean house. It's OCD like I have to constantly be moving in a certain way, or I have yeah. to, you know. So, but now I'm really obsessed with it, and it's become like, you know, I'm very happy now because I'm back in shape. But when I get out of shape, I'm way worse than I was before I ever got in shape. Like I'm really, it like really fucks me up. Um, I I get I have my problem is I can't shut it off. So like tomorrow morning I'll go to soul. If I feel better to soul cycle, soul cycle in the morning and then I'll come back and I'll run five miles. And I'm like, I'm like, and my wife's like, stop, just stop, do mm. something else. Like, do, and I go, I can't because I know that we're going to be in Hawaii and we're going to be eating like shit. So I want to make sure that I'm in, yeah. I want to get down to like two twelve so that by the time we get to Hawaii so that I can get back up to two seventeen and not feel bad about myself. Yeah. yeah. So. But it's like this obsession now where, you know, when I was 265, I didn't give a fuck. Get your shirt off. You're just yeah. loving life. Ari Shafir said, you know, you're fucking obese. And I was like, no, I'm not. I go, Ari, I'm not that bad. Yeah. And, and I literally believed it. I didn't. And then I saw pictures of myself and I was like, mother. Like yeah. after I lost weight. Yeah, it's brutal. You, so you do Soul Cycle. You do a regular gym I too? Soul, soul Cycle. I was doing CrossFit. Yeah. But I stopped CrossFit. Um, and now I just run. I just run. Hmm. I, like I ran four miles this morning. Let's put a jump rope. It's been changing my life. Uh 
I, I jump rope a lot. I, I have a jump rope and a kettlebell by the front step. Yeah, I saw. But this is my, my obsession is that I'll do squats on that front step so that my butt touches the bottom to the step yeah. and go up. I'll do 50 of those and then I'll jump rope. I can, I can do 100 quick. Yeah. And I just go, get. let's just get it banging 100. Yeah. You know, don't need to break a sweat, just banging 100. Add 100 steps to your day. So yeah. I do, uh, you know, I'll just do, I'll do like six five minute rounds. Just jumping, 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 jumping. Really good cardio. I started, um, I joined Equinox. I joined like the nicest gym you could join. Yeah. Which is like, it was like a little treat to myself. And I said, uh, there's just something about when you go into a really nice, like, gym. It's very, very motivating. Yeah. Very motivating. And like, I just came from there now. I went to, I did Punch Drunk and then I went to the Equinox in Glendale. I uh, steamed, showered. Shave my head. If you're in between spots, you don't want to come all the way home. You could just pop into the gym, oh, get a great. steam. That's well. That's, I was going to the Russian uh, bathhouses. Ah, uh, dude, there's one in the East Village that I go. Yeah, to. yeah, that's the one. The Tenth Street. Tenth yeah, Street. Yeah, it's amazing. But it's forty five bucks every time you go. Right. I, one month I went four times, and I was like, I just spent two hundred dollars on bathhouse. I was like, why wouldn't I join Equinox? I get the steam. Yeah. Certain ones have sauna. Certain ones have hot tubs. I get, and I have all of them. Anytime I'm in LA, Miami, Chicago, I mean, uh, any any big city that I go to, I have a beautiful fucking steam room. Yeah, I might join an Equinox. Dude, listen to me. It's the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. I really mean this. It's I might the, get rid of my. I might get rid of my. And you get cycling. They have cycling. They have great cycling programs. So fuck SoulCycle. SoulCycle is expensive. SoulCycle is expensive as shit. It's, it's like, like thirty 40, bucks. Uh, 40, 40, 40, 35 bucks. A time, but so, but then but, you could do the Equinox cycling classes, plus have the steam room, plus have the amazing showers, Kiehl's products. Dude, look at my skin. I've, I was about to say you look really good right now. I've never, I've never used facial lotion in my life. Yeah, I'm using Kiehl's facial lotion every day. On my body, I mean, dude, I, I, I shave my head with a, a bic. They have razor blades. Everything. Yeah. I, I haven't showered at home in two months. <laughs> I don't shower at home. I shower in between spots. I'll go to the gym just to use the steam room and shower all the time. I love that. I'm, is Equinox the one that's? Oh, we should probably wrap this up. There's one in West Hollywood. There's one in Hollywood. I went to, since I've been here. I went to Hollywood, West Hollywood, and uh, the Glendale one. And then there's Century City too. I'm looking up Equinox. There's right. a bunch. We should uh, we should wrap this up. Your podcast is Legion of Skanks. You I got, got a few. You got, you got a few. Got a uh, few. Go to the Gas Digital Gas website. Digital Network dot com. Yeah. That's where you get the exclusive access to all this other stuff. But you, all of the podcasts are for free on iTunes. They're on Google Play. They're on YouTube. They're everywhere. Uh, it's three podcasts that I have. Uh, Legion of Skanks, which is the dirtiest podcast on earth. is me, Big J, and Dave Smith. It's great. Real Ass Podcast, which is a little bit more kind of like this, a real conversation. It's funny, but it's like much more like uh, you, we have a, you know, Legion of Skanks, we get crazy. We, I love Legion of Skanks. Yeah. Well, that's my favorite one to do because that was when I was the fattest I've ever been. We yeah. went in and we were doing uh, bicep. We were just sitting around and fucking in uh, Ralph's apartment. Yeah, being dummies it was great are you doing a legion of skanks after skanks fest yeah you're on wednesday you're already on that okay. if you want to hang out you're yeah, in yeah 100 um and then yeah real ass podcast me and my buddy zach and miko it's it's a great conversation we do that one twice a week um and then i also do a podcast and a radio show with the ufc middleweight champion michael bisping where we you know heavily into mixed martial arts and you know really get into uh the sport it's very funny too michael bisping's just fucking it's really great hilarious it's really great i mean michael, yesterday michael bisping's fucking he's awesome. so funny dude he goes yesterday in the podcast he's like everyone's saying that i'm fucking running from yoel my fucking knees fucked up i wish i could walk from yoel <laughs> i'm gonna crawl from you dude he's he's, he's such a great ball buster and he's very self-deprecating it's it's a really really great show um so if you guys dig mma even if you don't dig mma if you dig a show like this i think just hearing a fighter and a comedian talk shit in a very real way and yeah. it's very funny um so they're also all available at gasdigitalnetwork.com and twitter is louis J. gomez and, and matt you know. fultron said something brilliant one time 
someone's like, what do you think about all these fighters trying to get into comedy and stuff? And Matt Fultron goes, well, I'll tell you what, a few times I've gotten drunk and thought I could be a pro fighter. <laughs> That's fucking yeah. hilarious. So yeah, check it out. And check out the podcast that you did with Ari, Ari's podcast. Yeah. It's so much fun. It it's was called really- Cleavage Day. It's Cleavage Day. Ari and the Legion of Skanks. We go around in New York City. Uh, we bring a portable podcast recorder. We have four microphones. We're all attached to each yeah. other by wires. So we're if you, if you listen to it at points where... I don't even know if you really get it. I don't even know if you even got it listening to it, but we were like, oh, let me get a look. Let me get a look. What we yeah. were doing is we we're all sitting in a circle and we would turn together in a circle and all turn so the other person could look. Uh, it was so funny and stupid, but it's, we didn't see that many boobs, but it actually, if you know anything about good comedy, it's better because of that. It is. You know what it, I'm saying? When, when an idea you don't get to execute the idea the way that you want to, all of the funniness in the idea failing comes out, and there was so many great little moments of it was great. you know everything from us getting kicked out of a park to us talking to a homeless person to you know us you know following women creepily and, and yelling things in tunnels at them. It's fucking stupid, and it's all in good fun. So if you're a feminist blogger and you want to destroy our careers for it, go fuck yourself. And uh, Skanks Fest is June 21st, 22nd, 23rd. 23rd, 24th, 25th, live from Long Island City. And we're going to be doing uh, an eight-city tour next year. So, Oh, really? Uh, yeah, eight weekends in a row. We have a very unique I, way that we're doing this. It's Dude, nobody's ever done what we're fucking doing before. I'm telling you right now, literally, I, I made a decision a year ago. I looked at Dave Smith and Big J, and I said, I want to change the fucking world. And it's stupid, and it's douchey, and they laughed at me, and they made fun of me. And I'm just going to continuously just try. Because, look. I, I'm probably not going to change the world, right? But I'm going to do way bigger shit than if I said, "Hey, I want to write a dick joke tonight." Yeah, which would everyone else do? Change doing. the world, and you just end up doing theaters. Then fuck it, fuck <laughs> it. If I could just get an agent that'll fucking book me in some big gigs across the country, yeah, then that'll that'll be a, a good thing. Well, I'm glad that I'm going to be a part of Skanks uh, Legion of Skanks, the Legion of Skanks uh, Comedy Festival, of course, man. And uh, and dude, I appreciate you doing this. I love you, man. I'm so glad we met in West Nyack fucking eight years ago. Yeah, however long ago it was, was great, it was? dude. It wasn't that long ago. It was probably five, I guess. Really? It was. It was. I think it was when my son's mother was pregnant. Oh, so it really? had to be about five years ago. Because I remember I was about to have a kid, and you gave me advice, and you were just like, you were like, dude. He was like, that's great. Congratulations. I was talking about it, my act. Yeah. And you, yeah, we just kind of like sort of chatted about that. So yeah, I guess she was pregnant. Yeah. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.